This is Jocko Podcast number 191 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Some nights I wake up drenched in sweat. I have dreams, and some people might call them nightmares, but that would not be accurate because I'm not scared and I'm not anxious. I'm actually amped and I'm ready. And the dream is usually about some bad situation unfolding really quickly. Some operation gone sideways. And I'm in a building somewhere or in a bunker or in a ravine of some kind. And the enemy is maneuvering. And they're bringing it. And I'm with a small group a squad, maybe six or eight guys, and we're low on ammo, and I'm about out. And one of the guys is hit, and he's hit bad, and we can't move, and we can't leave. And this is it. And the enemy is pressing closer. And I'm prepping grenades. And as I'm prepping grenades, I got my head down because they're laying down fire and the enemy is advancing and we're killing some of them, but others are getting through and the enemy fire increases. And if I'm in a building, I, I hear the door open up and I can hear them entering the building and I do a quick assessment. I got three grenades and I got a half a mag left and I got my K bar. And I'm ready to get it on. And I pull the pin on one of the grenades and I roll it down the hallway toward the stairs and it explodes. Then I hear RPGs launch. And one explodes a little distance away, but then the next one explodes on the wall right near me and it knocks me out. And then, and then I come to, and I check for my rifle. I'm grabbing for my rifle, but it's not there. And so I reach for my pistol, but my pistol's gone too. And then I feel for the rest of my gear. I feel for my knife. I feel for grenades, and there's nothing there. All my gear is gone. I feel for wounds, and there's nothing. And then I realize that I'm okay, that I'm just sweating a lot that there's no gear, there's no guns. And I realized that I was asleep and that this was just a dream. And now I'm laying there in a pool of sweat in my bed and I'm awake. And I'm, I'm actually mad because I left my boys hanging there in my dream. And I'm also mad because I don't get that final confrontation with the enemy. And I'll sit there and close my eyes and I'll try and fall back asleep. I'll try and force myself back in there so I can finish the fight. But I can't force myself to fall back asleep so I lie there in bed 
and I start thinking about what I would have done. I start thinking if there's any mistakes that I made. I start thinking about if how I could have defended that position, where I would have maneuvered to, how I could have maximized damage to the enemy. And then I think about the rest of the guys on the team. And I think if I was in that situation, who would I want with me? And this was, this was a common topic in the teams. If you were in a desperate scenario with the odds stacked against you, if it was time for the last stand, for victory or death, who would you want with you? I have a list of those names, those men, a list of the guys I want with me in that most critical of moments. And when I think about that list, there's always one guy that comes to mind first, a guy that I've seen perform on the battlefield not for an hour, not for a day, or not for a week, but for months on end. This guy would go out on a three-day operation in 120-degree heat with two liters of water, three cans of Copenhagen, and twice as many bullets as anyone else. And as soon as the mission was over, he'd want to go back out again. This is a guy that can lead and that can follow, a guy that can plan and execute. A guy that never put himself above the good of the mission or above the good of his teammates. And I know without a shred of doubt that he would have rather himself be killed or wounded than watch me be killed or wounded. He would step into the line of fire, take a bullet or jump on a grenade to protect me or any of our brothers in arms. That's the guy I'm talking about. And the other thing is, I know what he's thinking. And he knows what I'm thinking. There's no need to even talk. We were raised at the same team by the same people. We don't have to debate or discuss whether we should do this or do that. We look at each other, give a little nod, and we know what we need to do. So if I have to assault a beach or attack a bunker or storm the gates of hell, I want my brother Tony Efrati by my side. BTF Tony. Big, tough frogman. And that's what he is through and through and that's what he did for his entire career through eight overseas deployments. He was one of the first Yes, I had on the podcast, podcast number 41. If you haven't listened to that podcast, stop and go back and listen to it. But if you have listened to it, well, then here we go again with BTF Tony. Tony, welcome back. Yeah, let's just... Eight deployments or ten? Ten. Ten deployments. No, but let's just get back because... I didn't want you to get wounded because you're so 
you're such a monster. I'd have to carry you. And <laughs> it'd be a little better if like I got wounded. It'd be easier. To, like, I could put you in my cargo pocket. Right, and be yeah. Like, oh, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, BTF's great. Big, tough. Problem. I'm not big. And I'm not really tough. <laughs> wackadoo, you know. So last time you were on, we kind of just jumped right into like going into the teams and everything. And which meant we skipped, skipped over a bunch of stuff. Like, I mean, not a bunch, but I mean, because like, I know you're going to put it. Well, how'd you grow up? Well, I grew up and then I went yeah, to the Navy. And then that was the Navy and then that's it. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so you grew up, you grew up in New England. Yeah, New Hampshire. And, and did you play sports? Yeah, I played hockey and baseball. Did they issue you a hockey stick when you were born in New Hampshire? Yeah, it's pretty much, uh, you, you get one in kindergarten, and then then you you play street hockey, and then you learn how to, you know, like rough up your buddies, and then get your ass kicked, and then you just keep playing. Did you play organized hockey? Oh yeah, yeah. I played rec hockey. I played youth hockey, all the way up till I was like seventeen. No kidding. Yep. Played like all my life, three years old till I think seventeen. Yeah. You I, kept all your teeth. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I played uh, mites, squirts, bantams, and midgets. There's four categories, uh-huh. youth-wise. But yeah, I played a lot of hockey and until uh, I got a little bit older and then, you know, had to work. Yeah. So school work, won a lot of time for it. And then I realized I wasn't going to be like wicked good, so I just, it was fun. But yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, chapter in my life, and that's it. But I still love hockey. I love it. You know, big fan. And uh, like when I was a kid, we would play like out on lakes because I didn't play organized hockey. No, I we did just, that too. Yeah. yeah. We would tape uh, magazines to our shins because yeah. we didn't have like the actual yeah. gear. So we would just do that. That way when you get schwacked with a puck or a stick, you're not right. just done. <laughs> no, but even in the summers, like people my age, your age, Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like Saturday morning when you're little, your mother would give you breakfast. Like, get the hell out. Yeah. Come back at lunch. <laughs> it's not like I went in my room and went in my little computer. We didn't have any of that. So we went, like, we threw rocks at each other or played baseball in a field. Or Yeah, you see, your mom would say, come home for lunch. My mom would just, like, say, get out. But then the funny thing is, what, when, <laughs> when it was like, oh, it's time to eat, it'd be like, oh, cool. I'm gonna get a Snickers bar and a can of Coke. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we that, ate. Yeah, that's fine. That's what I. That's what we ate. It yeah. wasn't like, well, you need to watch your your content. Yeah, what the fuck is gluten? There's <laughs> gluten, like some stuff that floats around in the sky. Like I don't know what that is. You know, apparently people are allergic to it. I don't fucking know. You know, I always knew about the peanuts and the shellfish and all that shit, but not really. You know. You know, maybe you know it's on the table. Eat it. That's it. Don't eat. I don't yeah. give a shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just uh, the things, and even I'll catch myself. You know, with my kids going, you know, you don't want to drink that soda. And I'm thinking about when I was a kid. Just that's that's all we drank. We didn't drink. Oh, yeah. First of all, there's no such thing as bottled water. No, no. Like it, that, that, that still was back like home, you drink it out of the thing. tap. Yeah, it's 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 better than Avion or whatever. The, fuck it is you know <laughs> it's like the best it's like so good i fill i fill up the, right in the sink and it's still yeah. the best yeah 
So you played hockey, and then what? What when you went to high school? Did you guys have a hockey team at your high school? No, the next the next town did, but we didn't have a high school team. They had youth hockey. So then it was you regional. Did you play anything? And did you play any sports in high school? Just baseball. Just baseball. Yeah, and then I I, I sucked at it, but. I played little league and yeah. I played into my like junior high. And I, I bet I sucked at baseball more than you, which was a bummer. Yeah, that was my pretty da- coordinated. My dad was like a fanatic about baseball, and I was out there going, "This is the most boring thing I've ever done in my whole life, ever." Like, yeah, it's, this is I could you know I was whatever seven years old. But I like I still stand there. I like it because now I watch baseball. and I know. I get the appeal now. But what I'm saying is when I was seven-year-old <laughs> freaking hyperactive youth and my dad's like, you know, this is a great game. And you got to understand the tactics and the, and, the, and the strategy behind what's going on. And you don't the, care about any of like, that. And I'm like, Because the funnest thing, like the funnest sport that I remember playing that I said, oh, this is cool, was dodgeball. Yeah, because it's right? violent. Yeah, you're like, oh, huck the balls at the other p- people. That yeah. was fun. It's like highly active. Yeah. So we played rec, uh, rec league hockey, though, when I was a kid, too. And that was all on outdoor rinks. That's awesome. With wooden boards. And it'd be like 10 boys there, and they'd flood it. And then, like, my uncle was the coach of one of the weeks. And he was terrible. Like, he didn't even know how to skate. But, and he had no idea how to play hockey. You just kill him. We'd have checking practice for an hour. <laughs> Just go out there and check each other. Like, really? You know, I, you know, I didn't. I was like, I mean, I know how to play. I know the rules. I know, and this is what we're doing. I'm like, all right, yeah. Just go out there and kill each other. Yeah, yeah. It's you and I were talking about the fact that hockey players are getting smaller again now. Yeah, they're, they're, there, there was a, there was. I guess because this, this is this monsters, is. I went and man. talked to the goals, the San Diego goals. And their coach was explaining to me, because I, I said, man, the guys are smaller than I expected. Some of them, right? Some of them, yeah. And he says, I, I said, I thought everyone was huge now. And he said, no, because now what they figured out is these smaller, faster, quicker guys have, a, yeah. have an advantage that they can exploit. Maneuverability, just like on the battlefield, you can exploit right. being able to maneuver. And these smaller, quicker guys can actually maneuver faster than the bigger, lumbering guys. Now, the, there's position for the bigger guys, too. Yeah, you got to have a mix. You yeah, that's, so that's good. what they're figuring out. Yeah. That's what they're figuring out. So if you were to go back in time, you might be able to, you might be able to hack it now. Yeah, well. <laughs> I... I played sports, but my real thing was like hunting and fishing uh-huh. and trapping. You know, I did all that shit. So that that kind of took a higher step. Like that's that was a press. That's, that's what I like. Priority for yeah. you. I like being out in the woods hunting. Was your dad in the military? Yes, my dad was in uh, the army in sixties. Uh, drafted. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in Vietnam. He went to uh, Germany. He was a helicopter mechanic. Had a blast in the army, yeah. you know. <laughs> He's over in Germany, like the coolest guy ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> coolest and richest guy ever. Right. Because, yeah. you know, you like drink beer and, you know, yeah. go to work every day. And, and and did he talk to you about the military at all? Well, not, What made you want to join the Navy? Because you, you joined right out of high school? Yeah, I enlisted when I was, uh, let's see, Six days after I turned 17. Dang. So I was in delayed entry for a year, uh-huh. and then I left six days after I turned 18. What made you want to join the Navy? Because this is the thing. This is the thing that I try and warn people about the Navy. 
If you want to go in the Navy and be in the SEAL teams, that's cool and everything. If you don't make it in the SEAL teams, your job is not going to be that cool. Oh, I mean, unless you're into that kind of thing, because there's some people that want to yeah. work with technology. That's cool. You'll be an IT man in the in the Navy, or you want to work with engines and you'll be an engine man, or you want to be a gunner. Like that's cool if yeah. that's what you want to do. But those are industrial type jobs. Yeah, they're nine and to five. They're well, industrial well, not really, jobs. They're not nine to five, but they're industrial jobs. They're yeah. trades. Right. In the army, like if you don't make it to special forces, or you don't make it to rangers, or in the Marine Corps, if you don't make it to Marsoc. You can still be an infantryman, which means you still get to get napped or do the machine gun thing, which is pretty much what I think most people when they join the military. Well, I shouldn't say most people. If you're even thinking about special operations, then you want to you want to be using the machine gun. Well, basically. yeah, you, I mean, you want to have a machine gun in everyday life. For fuck's <laughs> sakes, I mean, it would come in so handy to eliminate a lot of freaking hosh shit. Like, hey, you know what? Uh, you're, just, you're waiting in traffic. Just get out. Excuse me, folks. Oh, bah, 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 just shoot the light down. Okay, go. It would be so much easier. But, be a lot I mean, of... it's legal, but you know. <laughs> so you, but you. What did you join the Navy to be? Or did you just be like, well, I'm wanted to be a, I wanted town. to be a frog man, but it took me a while. It took me a couple of years to go to Bud's. How did you know about the SEAL? What year was this, like 86? Yeah. I knew about the SEAL teams. I wanted to do it, but the, the thing that helped me the most was actually doing like two years in the fleet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's two years I could have been a team guy, but for me, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I wasn't mature enough. So I had to, I needed that structure, and I learned how the Navy works. And and for all you people out there and all that, I was stationed in the Philippines for two years. It's not like I was on a boat. I was just drinking and, you know, just being a <laughs> madman. And, of course, the SEAL teams were over there, you know, the West yeah. Coast guys. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I might as well just do that. That's, like, the best. <laughs> So That's I had ridiculous. A, You're I, 17 years old, and you get you get. Well, I was 18. You were, you're 18, stationed in Subic. In Subic, as a what? Mineman. Oh I was my a mineman. God. So it's like shore duty, you know, but it's like overseas duty. That was the best. Insane. It was I, the best. Did they give you? Did they give you any kind of like briefing as this 18 year old kid? Like, okay, you're in the Philippines now. This is what's about. Yeah, to they just tell you because it's all about. There's all kinds of hookers, and that's like the main thing. <laughs> Back then was hookers and drinking. There was like 250 bars in like a, a city block, and you know I made like 200 dollars every two weeks, and I always had money. Yeah, because it was like we'd we'd go to like happy happy hour or whatever in the morning, like Saturday morning at like T's Tavern or wherever it was on. Gordon Avenue, and it was like nickel for a beer. So I really like learned, I polished my drinking skills like big time <laughs> over there. And of course it's a thousand degrees out and it's just like, so much fun. Yeah, when I, when my first after deployment. After two years, you're just like, okay, I mean, come on. So, you, so you, <laughs> yeah. actually, you actually had enough of it. Well, I wanted to get on with, you know, yeah. I got order, you know, I took my screen <laughs> test, got orders to Bud's and was like, all right, and back then, now they got this big fucking pipeline and all this. I flew in to Coronado on a Friday. Sunday, we had our class-up party, which is you shave your head. There's a keg of beer. You get liquored up and then be idiots. And then Monday morning, you start. It's day mm-hmm. one. So you checked in on Friday, shaved your head on Sunday. Day one. Classed up on Monday. That's it. Yep. Here we go. Did you get rolled? 
I got rolled in the uh, second phase, which nobody does. I didn't get hurt. I just wouldn't leave my swim buddy. What happened? My swim buddy, I, I wouldn't leave him. On a swim? On like yep. a time, on like a, yep. well, you can't leave your swim buddy. Right. And so, so what do you do? Yeah, you fail. Yeah, and then you That's just take happens. it in the shitter and, Dude. And then, and then, like the next, when I went, you know, next class, like I was like me and Brain, the Cheese Man, he's dead now. Yeah, we're like in the top three swim pairs. So I'm like, my my uh, swim can't, buddy, you can't leave your swim buddy. I failed to swim. You, you can't, yeah, but you can't leave. So your swim I go. Buddy. They they bring us to the first phase office, and I'm standing there with my swim buddy, and they're like, all right, and they, there was a you know ten or twelve or fifteen pairs failed to swim, so they're asking everyone like they're calling us in the office, the first phase office by the bell. So me and my swim buddy get called in. We're like number seven to get called in. I couldn't hear what everyone else was saying, but I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was just like scared. I wanted wanted to make it through this training. So we go in there. And so there's something called guiding, which is like the person that when you're swimming in the open ocean, you have to, it's basically steering, but you call it guiding for some reason. You know, you guide so you make sure you're swimming in the right direction. So they go, you know, you two, next pair, get in here. So we walk in, I'm standing at attention. He's like, what the hell happened to you two? And my swim buddy points at me and goes, Willink doesn't know how to guide. Oh my God. And I was like, and the guy was a slow swimmer. Like that was the problem. And he was one yeah, of those. Yeah, that was the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah. I, and so I'm standing there just going, damn, I just got, just got dimed out for something I didn't even do. So I just kept my mouth shut and I was like, I'll do better, right? And then what they did was they split us up and they put us with good swimmers, and then the same thing. Like me me and my new swim buddy on the next swim came in like fifth or seventh or something. I wasn't gonna come in first or second because I wasn't no, fast not enough. That. No, because you got some of those fuckers in there that are swimming like 17 knots. Yeah, I know, yeah. But this guy failed again, you know? And it was like, oh, maybe it wasn't Willink's guiding yeah, really. that screwed you over. But it was all right, you know? I just had to wait four weeks, five mm-hmm. weeks. Got back and it was fine. And then, and then you, you graduated buds. W- were you good in the water when you showed up at buds? Oh yeah, yeah. Did you grow up swimming in lakes in no. New Hampshire? No, it's just something you got to do. <laughs> like, like how many how many times was I in the woods with people in the teams who were from, you know, yeah, New York or whatever. Jacksonville, Florida, or New York City or yeah. Chicago? They're like, what the fuck? What what? Man, it's dark. Like, who would say that? It's dark. It's dark. It's dark. It's night. What the fuck? What do you think we're going to do? Like, go, you know, just lunch. We're going to go on lunch and beach and, you know, and all. So it's, that's just one of those things you had to do. There's some people that don't do that very well. I know. I had a guy in my class, like a super stud wrestler from Iowa, but he never went in the water. Yeah. And, dude, he was my swim buddy in, uh, in like, the pool phase where they're doing like the stuff in the pool with you yeah i love you, I actually you got a like buddy that. breathe and stuff on your <laughs> yeah. on, so we're doing buddy breathing and this dude is taking the the regulator and breathing 47 breaths in a row giving it back to me i'd take like a breath and a half <laughs> <and he's grabbing. laughs> yeah yeah you're like dude relax and, chum. <laughs> and he still he still popped to the surface and yeah he didn't make it he didn't make it because he would just freak out in the water so yeah man i was lucky you know up in Maine as a little kid went in the water all the time. Cause yeah, the water never freaked me out. I just, it I don't know why. It freaks some people out, man. 
But that's that's the whole thing. You have to be competent in the water. Mm-hmm. Like when you're underneath the ship and you're de-rigging and all that, yeah. and everybody's like right next to each other, <laughs> and you can't like, see anything. There's just like cords floating around. Oh my god! People think like it's all. You watch the movies. They go. <laughs> They, they show him diving, then all of a sudden they show him climbing the ship. Like, well, what about all the shit in between? You're missing, like, the biggest fucking portion that's terrible. You're under there, and it's like, and lines everywhere, and the guy's kicking you in the mask, and then you, you got to deal with that, and it's just, it's just fucking There's some terrible. other dude that's, like, sinking to the bottom, yeah. dragging you down. And it's like, why is the line? What is all this pressure going this way for? That wasn't the plan. We rehearsed this, like, 40 times. And you can't communicate anything. Anything. Nothing. It's all Nothing. just. Yeah, it's just. Like, <laughs> and you just, after a while, it's like survival. Like you just got to not die. And then somehow it usually works out. Next thing you know, you're on the surface and everything is easy. And I then th- you got to go back. So I it's think not that's like it's what over. makes the teams good. I think what makes the teams Absolutely. good is when you have to deal with all that crap of whether it's going over the beach just to do a land warfare up, but you come over the beach or you know, de-rigging underwater or a combat swimmer op or rigging the boats or, or whatever, when you add the water and it just makes it... It's all a it real world up. so much freaking hard. Even in training, it's real world. Yeah, because you can drown and die. Yeah, you can. I mean, but the buds thing, like, yeah, I didn't grow up syruping or any of that stuff. But the other thing is I, I didn't have a plan B. Yeah. That was easy for me. I never even thought about quitting oh, anything. no. no. I mean, it was like, why? There's nothing else to do. Yeah. I mean, everything else is just garbage and junk and like, <laughs> I'm not, no, I have to do this. This is what I have to do because it's like the best. Yeah. I, I, I'd never thought about quitting at all. And it was weird. I had a guy in my class that was from the fleet. And he was like, man, you don't want to go to the fleet, dude. It's, you don't, you do not want to go to the fleet <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And he quit again. Yeah, well. And I just was like, man, really? We had these serial quitters that come back and come back. And like, after a while, you know, give up. <laughs> like, you know what's that? The first you don't succeed, try, try again. How many tries? And then quit. <laughs> no sense to being a damn fool about it, you know? <laughs> but I just didn't have a plan B, you know? It was yeah. like, hmm. Did uh did you do any of the water stuff when you were in Subic Bay? Did you did any of the team guys show you like not tying or any of no, that? No, <laughs> not at all. I did I did dive though. I, I got oh, okay. my like paddy oh, okay, there you go. Cool. That, that's good because diving, yeah. like when you I've never done that. But when you go through like the basic, do they do some kind of yeah? Comp, you do like body breathing, but it's like the big yeah. yeah, yeah. The big beautiful regulator. Yeah, whatever. and you're like, oh, okay. And then you take your mask off and then blow through. Yeah, okay, clear your mask and like, yeah, whatever. But that's definitely helpful. But it was fun. I mean, it was yeah. something to do besides drinking all the time. <laughs> so I did that like one weekend and then, and then I was like, yeah, I'm good. Is that how long it takes to get one of those qualifications? Yeah, you go through some classes, some pool, and then they take you in Subic, like out to Flip Flop Island. Oh. It's so actually good, really good nice, dives. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, man, when I got the little card, remember you going through buds and you get. Well, I don't know if they had this for you. But yeah, they did. Yeah, so I got look a little card that said I was a qualified. Like I could go rent gear. Diver. Yeah, and I don't know where that is. I lost yeah. it. Like, yeah, fucking. But when I ass. had that thing, that thing, I got that, and I thought I was the, kind of the man. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, I would look at it from you know, be my wallet, look at it like 
oh yeah <laughs> you feel like you're yeah, james this is the bond. shit yeah it's like i felt like i was james bond like yeah. who cares no, <laughs> but whatever not even a thing anymore no not nothing kind of like when i got issued my first floppy hat oh yeah i thought yeah well here we I've go i've arrived yeah i'm re- i'm ready to go to nom <laughs> i know <laughs> i know it's like that's like you said last time like, i thought i was going to be and i'm like that day yeah i know but yeah I still have my first floppy hat. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep everything. I don't. I didn't you, keep anything. You You might need it one day. No, I kept my floppy hat. I don't have a shadow box. I have a shadow box that someone made me. Like these good friends of mine who used to do that for yeah. a living, like make coins, made it for me. It's perfect. It's like in my room somewhere it's like not i don't know where any of my medals are i just don't care yeah i'm like just such a loser when it comes to that shit one time i was in my son's room when he was like uh maybe seven or no he was probably nine or ten years old and i'm like looking for something i figured he took it i'm walking around (laughs) immediately who stole my yeah exactly yeah here it is all of a sudden i step on something and it's like sharp and i'm like oh and it's underneath a pile of my kids clothes and i like pull it out and it's like a bunch of a bunch of my medals, <laughs> you know, the little rack of medals. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Leif. Leif's like, Leif said to me, uh, "Man, we never got you anything for you, Bruce. I'm gonna get you something." He's been saying that for like ten years. <laughs> I think he's busy. He just had another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I don't have. I don't have any kind of nothing. <laughs> the guys when I retired gave me a big giant trident. That's like that's pretty cool. seven feet tall. I oh really? That. Yeah, wow. I just have it in the corner with all my weightlifting bars. I have it in there. It's oh similar. yeah, yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, if I I feel like if I if someone breaks into my house and I wound them, I'm gonna finish them off with that. Thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. go get it and just run it. Put one of those things right through their neck. Well, that yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> you could also spear them though, like through the midsection. Yeah, and then like get the water, you know. And then you both can lift up like, that'd be cool. (laughs) Be a good picture. All right, so you get done with buds, no factor, whatever. You show up at team one. And did you get put into a platoon immediately? Yeah. And it's now, what, 1989, 1990? Yep. So is the Gulf War on the horizon yet or not really? So Kuwait has not been invaded yet or it has been invaded, but we're not sure we're going to do it. That happened August 6th. And when did you get to the team? Like December. Okay. So it took about nine months. So you showed up at the team. There's no war going on. But we had to go through SBI. Okay. And I didn't have SQT back then. Yeah, had SBI, yeah. still basic in dock. And they just grabbed a bunch of guys. And it was actually really squared away at team one. Yeah. You did land warfare. You did demo, all your weapons and shit. Patrolling tactics. You did maritime, air, you know, rubber ducks. Limp ducks, all that shit. Yeah, you did uh, you know, photo intel, like all yeah. kinds of stuff. Infield developing. Yeah, yeah. I was just talking to this camera guy up in Wyoming. Who's, I told him I used to do that, and he goes, "Wow, but now it's all like digital camera. Yeah. You ain't got to do any of that." No, you're it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, spend hours and hours doing that, and then a lot of shooting, basic shooting. You know, shot M14 till your friggin' fingers go. Because mm. you were not a man if you didn't carry an M14. Well, yeah, because it was like the best gun yeah. ever. My bicep would get bruised from shooting the M14. Oh, yeah. 
Cause and I know people say because well, it'd be like move like you can't just keep it there the whole time. Nah, it's like gigantic, and that's why the M14, God bless its soul, such a great weapon. Remember how many malfunctions you had with it? Yes. Oh I yeah, none, none. Yeah, ever in the history. No, actually, of I did. Ever. I had one. Somebody else's shell from an M from an M16 went and like went lodged somehow <laughs> into my ejector port. Well, yeah, in the that, middle of whatever. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah, so that's one. Yeah, but yeah, those things are freaking but accurate. They didn't. They didn't survive durable. the. Uh, how do I put it? The rail system years. Mm. Once once everything started becoming yeah. attachments and shit, they tried to do it, yeah. and then the gun was like three hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah. So it just it never really. But back then, the M sixteen was basically a piece of shit. Yeah. Even the NR seven twenty seven, the Car fifteens. That whole evolution leading up to the M4, they got better and better and better. They're yeah. more reliable, and you know it just makes sense on the battlefield. If you you got an M4, you got a you know five by six. You're working with the Marines, the Army. You can always go anywhere and get some more ammo. It's like who has strip clip friggin' 308 ammo? Yeah. You know 7.62. Nobody. You know, you de-wink it up to 60. That got to be a wicked pain in the ass. And you're like, eh. But it was a great gun. I mean, I still love the thing. You put that front sight on there, Mr. Yeah. But as far I, as I optics and uh, night vision, it didn't make the cut. Yeah. Just yeah, my take about it, you know. But. Yeah. I still have one. That's still like my primary battle rifle at Oh, it's great. Always going to work. Yep. Yeah. 100% it's going to work. I mean, if shit goes down, chaos in the streets, and you're like on a cul-de-sac, you could come out with that. I mean, I'd have a fucking Tommy gun is what I'd have. My fedora on, just whacking everybody. But, you know, you fantasize about stuff. You know, I mean, it's just. Hey, it's a Tuesday afternoon. What are you going to do? I mean, yeah. Tommy gun and fedora hat. Yeah. I mean, come on. Hey, you want to go to the bar and get liquored up? Yeah, yeah, let me just grab my Tommy gun real quick. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, SBI, you go through, you learn a bunch of stuff. I had STT is what they called it when I went through. Yeah. And, and then good dudes teaching us that stuff. Oh, it was great because you still got kind of treated like shit. But mm. you were at, you know, you yeah. weren't a new guy. You weren't yeah. a bud student. You were, so. Yeah, you were getting treated like a little bit better than the buds guy. Then did you get? Then you got assigned to a platoon. Yes, sir. I got assigned to uh, Alpha Platoon, SEAL Team One. And so, in the old days, uh, Alpha Platoon meant you were riding a boat. Yes, sir. Arg Alpha. Arg Alpha. I didn't care. Did I was you just, know anything? You were just like, no, nah, yeah, whatever. I'm in a platoon. Cool. How many new guys were in your first platoon? We had a few. We had like because uh, sometimes half they, dozen. they used to stack the arc platoons with more new guys. We had because they just wanted to fill that thing up because no one wanted to do an, an arg float. Wow, we had, you know new guy am new choice. No, no, that's what I'm saying. So it'd be like, oh, okay, there's but just put all the new guys in there, yeah, and let them float. But you got you had a badass LPO. I did, I did. I had a, an LPO leading petty officer who was one of my buds instructors. What was he like as a buds instructor? quiet and like mm. mean looking like kind of like <laughs> if you don't do this you're just a big pussy you know or, or yeah. you guys aren't putting out and just just like 
because he was good at everything. How did, oh, he was wicked good at He was at good everything. at everything. Once he became my LPO, like he was good at shooting. He was good at all water stuff. He grew up like somewhere in California. Mm-hmm. And he'd kayak. He could kayak. He was really good skydiver. Yeah. He was just good at everything. Everything. Mountaineering. So respected. Yeah. And freaking nice, man. Yeah, he's a great guy. I'm going to actually see him here. I know, By the time awesome. this podcast airs, probably, I'm going to visit him uh, somewhere in the country here. I'm, but uh, he did, I think, 20 years after that as a state trooper. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. I think it was Alaska, I'm pretty sure. But he's just he, he thrived in that environment, and he was a good teacher. Like, he'd take us and he'd go, okay, guys, here's, here's how you do this. You're like 80% correct yeah he this was, is the 20 percent that you suck at and then here's how to get better at it you know like roger that i mean he was just a good dude man. the reason i know him is because when he got back from that deployment he took over cqc or cqb yeah at team one he was the cqb instructor so he put me in my first workup through cqb and he was the first guy that i was looking at maybe not the first guy but he might have been. He was the first guy I was looking at going, he's, th- there's a lot going on here. There's a lot like, yeah. this isn't just a mechanical thing of you're going through and you're clearing rooms. Like there's, there's, there's yeah. thought happening here. There's, there's intentional decisions being made. Like I could see, I could see that well, the way he would l- explain things, I'd be thinking, oh, he, he knows like some more a lot more than oh, yeah. than a lot of us other guys do. Yeah. And he'd explain some little detail. And you'd say, oh. And it would make sense to me. You know, I'd be thinking, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, he'd say stuff like in, you know, room combat shit. He'd say, like, well, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, we're done here. We're going to go there. Well, what about deconfliction? I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> Well, you're not the only group within your group assaulting this building or the ship. You're gonna make sure that the other guys. All right, yeah. you know, the first one who actually. That's exactly opened. the kind of thing I'm talking about. When the blinders come off yeah. in the teams, everything's like from land warfare, you know, CQC, whatever you want to call it now, skydiving, diving. Once the blinders come off, yeah. and the good, the good people in your life and the teams will make the blinders come off. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you start growing as a frogman. Because it's easy just to go, yeah, yeah okay, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. But you have, to, you have to do the basic shit so well and never forget it, but then open your mind up to all. It's like shooting, like front sight, front sight, yeah. front sight. Then you get exposed to both eyes open mm-hmm. and your front sight is blurry because your target's clear. Because guess what, when you're shooting paper, front sight, front sight, front sight, that's great. But when you're shooting people, you have to make sure you can shoot them. Mm-hmm. You have to look at their hands. You can't do that if the target's blurry. Right. So when you transition, I mean, that really opens your eyes. You do years and years of front sight and then you start opening your eyes because you have to. And then it all goes away because you're on nods and you got a laser. And then you have to transition because you might be noon, you may have, Go have to go assault this building. I remember we were doing uh, shipboard movement on the the remember the pier side ship that we used to use yeah. all the time. So we were on that ship. We were doing just it was movement. nasty. It was just like nasty seagull shit all over the place. But we were doing 
We were like moving, as we'd come up the stern of the ship and then just move as a big group, a big train, yeah. like a big, and he just asked a question, you know, like, well, what if someone's, you know, shooting at you? And and everyone was kind of stumped. Like the older guys in my platoon were kind of, you know, well, we'd shoot back or just some dumb answer, you know, like, oh well, yeah, we'd shoot back. But meanwhile, we all die because we're all in the open on a right. metal ship. Yeah. And then he taught us, you know, how to do the little bump. Yeah. And and then I realized, oh, oh, so there's this isn't a this isn't a recipe. It's not like a it's not like a recipe. Oh, this is what you do every time. Yeah, you can't. No, that's that was probably the guy that made me start thinking. Oh, there's different ways to do. He this. is the guy who made me start thinking. Yeah, that. there's different ways to do this. There's things that I need to actually think about. Right. I can't just, I can't just follow the 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 thing that you've been taught one time, and that's how you do it. It's like, no, you actually need to think. And yeah. that was the first guy that I said, that I started to realize there's a lot more going on than I was aware of. Absolutely. There's I, a lot more. Oh, a lot more. Yeah. It's not just, I mean. He would crazy. sit down at the range and shoot head plates at 50 yards, like on timer, you know, with his pistol. Yeah. Beep, ping. Yeah. Over while we were eating lunch, he's just down there. When he had that forty-five, yes, that wicked yes. nice, yes. yeah, that was when no one had like yeah. really nice weapons yeah. like that. It was a good one. So, yeah, so that's an awesome LPO to have for your first time around. Yeah. Damn, uh, your old running mate told me a story. You guys were on a bus somewhere on like Liberty, and some guy was running his mouth. Some fleet guy was running his <laughs> mouth and making a bunch of noise. He was all drunk and whatever, getting crazy, and all of a sudden. Your LPO just like put him in a chokehold and put him to sleep. Yeah, I was like, here you go, buddy. Just get a little nap in there. You'll be all set. And what's crazy about that is no one knew what a chokehold, no one knew what a sleeper hold was, really. He did. Yeah. And he's like, knew how to do it. Yeah, yeah. And knew how to put people to sleep. Yep. Yep. And then does it. Yeah. He was the best, man. Yeah. Still is. He's a great guy. Yeah. Freaking awesome. Anything else that he, so, so what was that first platoon like? Did you guys, isn't that platoon? The war kicked off while you were in that platoon then. Yeah. So August 1st or August 2nd of 1990, Saddam invaded Kuwait and everything, blah, blah, blah. So they sent platoons from the Strand, even though they had forward deployed platoons, which you guys were pissed. Oh, yeah, they were. And so we were on the ARG platoon. We didn't leave till April. And that, like, officially didn't end. But everything was done by the time we get there. We didn't we didn't do anything really. The only, you, the only like real thing I did on that platoon was like a uh, shipboarding. No, the the big fifty three helicopters. Uh -huh. One went down, oh. pulled off the ship, <laughs> killed everybody, and we we dove on the bodies and pulled right. them up. But I was with that guy, and mm -hmm. you know he was like, yeah, yeah, here's how we'll do it. Totally cool. But that was it. I mean, we didn't get any gunfights or nothing, which is unfortunate. It's like, fuck. Yeah, so we were on a ship most of the time. And in the Middle East, we got off and we did training and stuff. Summertime but, deployment if you left in April. Yeah. So it was, it was 1,000 degrees. On oh, yeah, it was terrible. 
and then you know you can't eat enough and all you did was like lift weights and <laughs> and then wait to get back and then so you get back from that deployment you get you rolling to it right into your next platoon yeah but i got a story about that first one. Oh, the workup talk about like attitude adjustments and stuff uh i kind of fucked up some infraction somewhere i i wasn't late i just I didn't have something ready. I don't know what it was, but my chief at the time, he's like, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, you fucked up. I'm like, oh, Roger's chief. I I didn't really know I fucked up. I'm okay. So it's like 1600, you know. I don't know if it was Friday. No, it was a weekday. And he goes out to the grinder with me. I'm like, well, what's he going to do? Like, punch me? Because that. In the teams, that's kind of like a, you know, still. Uh, yeah, it's a thing. You know, I wouldn't go crying to HR or whatever that is. We don't have that. It's just like fucking figure it out, hit each other, and be done with it, and go back to work. So he's got this bag, this big construction garbage bag, you know. And it's filled with a tangled up flutterboard line. Oh, Jesus. So for the, those of you who don't know, a flutterboard line is this without getting into the whole hydrographic reconnaissance thing, it's parachute cord, you know, line, and it's 500 yards worth. And it's tangled up like a motherfucker. He goes, I want this in the morning back on the flutter board. Jeez, which is like a big fishing reel. Yeah, it's gigantic Basically. board. It's yeah. about that big. It's bigger than like a gigantic pizza that you order. Yeah. That's, the, that's the diameter, yeah. whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know. So I go, well, this is perfect, man. I'll just, you know, flake it out like a fish, fishing line and then splice, cut it and splice it. And as he's walking away, he goes, I'll know if you cut it and splice it. I'm like, fuck. So, you know, I did that for a few minutes and realized, man, this is going to take all fucking night. So I went to the country store and I got like a six-pack of Budweiser. Actually, got like a 12-pack. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and about 5 o'clock in the morning, I finished it. Yeah. And I had I, I shined the flutter board and I put it all and I put it on the chief's desk. And I sat in the in the platoon space, you know, with a couple of beers and I kinda of like passed out, you know. <laughs> and about six o'clock, six fifteen, the chief comes in and he's like, Hey, I'm like, uh He goes, smacking you up and I go, You bet. I'll say it, Chief. He's like, Roger that. Good to go. Good to go. We got shit to do, let's go. PT, Roger. <laughs> Good lesson learned, man. Yeah, I untangled some 550 cord like when it comes off the spool. Of course it does. That, that cardboard just, one yeah, when that one end disintegrates. Spool, whoever, and it goes, whoever made that thing has committed a war crime. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> that thing is just awful. It's just yeah. terrible. <sighs> Check. So you come back from that deployment after being at sea. And now you roll into your second platoon. Yep. Did you get any schools when you came back? No. They're just like, no. They were already halfway through the workup, so it was just like, I did all the stuff, but I didn't have any time to do anything. Oh, that's right, because the ARG platoons were off-cycle. They were off-cycle. Yeah. So you were going to get tossed into some, and you were lucky then you got tossed into a yeah. platoon that was already in their workup. Yeah, yeah. Good platoon. You know, uh, wasn't much going on back then. Like, 92. Yeah. 93, something. 
When in 92, came back 93. Did you, you deploy to the PI with that platoon? Uh, or did no. you deploy to Guam? Guam had just started. So that's where you deployed to? Yeah. It I'm was like nothing it. there. I know. Well, Matter of fact, it was right It was right in the middle. We, we they were just exiting. So I, we couldn't actually deploy there. Uh, so we went to Guam. Yeah. But there was nothing in Guam. Like yeah. it was... Because my first cool. deployment was to Guam, and we were like the first guys to go to Guam, a hundred percent. Like, oh, you are going to Guam. Yeah. And the guys that had deployed to the PI before were just moping around the barracks. Oh, I know. They were so like, mad. <laughs> like I said, I was stationed there, so I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, how was the was the workup standard workup? Yeah. Bunch of freaking humping around the desert. Yeah. Like the forward leading edge of battle, <laughs> we had some good guys in yeah. trade trading that understood more about war than I did. That's for damn oh, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was you know there was not much to uh, reflect back on for a lot of guys. Like guys had to, if the guys were you know it was the Vietnam guys, and now, well, my first platoon, my LPO, they were talking about. He was in Grenada. Yeah, that's right with damn neck with team six and then my second platoon the chief was in grenada too with team six so i had some redundancy in that uh, okay. like warning but some of it was like mm, i don't know isn't it crazy though and that's like because i had my platoon commander my second platoon was also in grenada yeah, and, I know you talk about And everyone was, you know, that was sort of the, the and actually I had my LPO in my second platoon was in the first Gulf War and actually did, yeah. gotten some firefights. And LC. So, yeah, and so so those guys, it was like they knew the unknown to us, yeah. you know? And that was, a, that's crazy that there was that little combat experience in the teams back then, in wow. the whole military. Well, you know, the 80s, yeah, no, After that's what Vietnam I'm saying. Was and now you go into a SEAL platoon, every single, literally every single yeah, guy, yeah. unless you are a brand new guy, every single guy has been on a combat deployment or seven. You're right, or, you know, or 15. Or 15. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're just. There's tons of them that are numb to it. They're like, hey, we're going to do this deployment now. That's like, we're going to go somewhere where there's nothing going on. They're like, yeah! <laughs> because we always used to have a saying, like, if you're in a deployment, and you're totally at war, that's great. But if you're in a deployment where you're just drinking beer and working out and doing exercises, drink beer, work out, do exercises. Yeah. Do that for the boys who can't do that. Because yeah. guess what? It's going to come full fucking circle. Around, it always yeah. does. You know, but we're fortunate we, we had a... I'm just fortunate, like, the time frame I was born. Totally. I mean, from... I know everything that happened in the eighties in the world and I went in the service and it was still old school and then Y two K and then <laughs> like actually let, let's let's you know, I learned about the industrial revolution in school. I mean who really gives a fuck? That the the technology revolution, cell phones, computers, I mean it's yeah. it's changed the world. Yeah. Not just the teams, but everyday life. Yeah. And I mean, that was weird too because we got to see and nine eleven. Do, do you remember? I mean, we got to the teams. There was no email. 
Of course not. I mean, there was no email. There's so, no computers. There was no computers. There's no email. So the copy machines. We yeah, had to roll actually, the thing. Like so my Xerox. first deployment, my first deployment, my platoon commander and the assistant platoon commander had each had a computer. Yeah. And like no one knew what they were doing it's on like, it. Cool. They this weren't even out a yeah, gear list. They weren't Ooh. even doing anything on it. Right. It was just nah, complete. Yeah. No, there was no use for them whatsoever. No. And then you know you fast forward. I remember uh, Microsoft. Word or it wasn't even Microsoft. It was like some other word processing program, and yeah. people started doing what you're talking about: yeah. print to gear list. Oh, I had or floppy an execution drive, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> I thought I was. But here's the funny thing about that, right? Like when I went into training, like after my seventh platoon, they're like, "Oh yeah, you, you're going to be the LPO of this platoon over at Team Five." Mm-hmm. I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but like, no, 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 you've done enough. You're going into training. I'm like, oh, fuck. So then it became trade at, mm-hmm. and I was like, plank going over there. Yeah. So I had to put all the land warfare stuff on PowerPoint, you know, and didn't like do it right, you know, professional, not just, bah. I never had one minute of formal computer training. Mm-hmm. And the Navy never gave me any. I never asked. I just, I didn't know how to turn on the PC. Like, I had no idea. I'm like, on the side yeah and then i i had to i taught myself yeah, how to do it that, yeah and powerpoint okay can you put powerpoint on this the the guy comes over and does it and i'm like i asked a few questions and figured it out what are you gonna do yeah, yeah. you gotta figure it out yeah. and it's like fucking terrible i had a lot of you know past midnight nights starting at zero six just going you know and i could i could get up Go to work, do the two mile swim, go run six miles, whatever the fucking PT was. Throw my body armor, run through the house eight hundred times, then go drink a thousand beers and go to bed at midnight, sleep four hours, and I'd be good to go. Eight hour day on the computer, I can barely make it home, and I'm like, <laughs> it kills me. It's terrible. I don't know how these. One of these fuckers who sit in cubicles like blow their brains out. <laughs> After like ten years, you know, with the business suit, and they're all like overweight and, and high blood pressure. Like, I, I totally can see it. That's no way for a human being to. You you have to get out of the cubicle, man. Oh my you god, have to get out I'm, of I'm there. like headbutting the mirror. That was it. yeah. Being in the teams where you're at a minimum, you worked out in the morning. And at lunchtime, you're going to go, like, for a run on the beach. Or something. Or you're going to go do jujitsu, Or you're going to go freaking do rope climbs. Or something at lunch. And and that's just the way. Yeah. Like, think about the fact that when, you go, when you're in the teams, you, you work out every day. Every day. Like, that's just awesome. Right. And, and if you're not working out, you're doing everything we do in the teams is working out. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, okay, well, I'm not going to PT. Too. Oh, you're not going to fucking PT? I'm climbing the ships all day. Yeah. You know, if that ain't working out, I don't know what the fuck is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you're in one of those jobs where you are staring at a computer all day long or you're sitting inside all time, you got you to gotta get up and move. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So back to your second platoon or going, what are we, forward to your second? Second platoon. Yeah. Was there any major leadership lessons that you learned in your second platoon. And I didn't really ask you that question about your first platoon. When you, cause I imagine your LPO 
must have left such like not like a hey here's four points on how to lead but you just watched that guy well i just yeah that, that just was emulate a, him that's well the cat you're talking about uh i don't know how he was like your oic yeah we, yeah, we yeah. know what we're talking yeah, yeah. about he's like just do what that guy does dude I, and you're and you're all set i i spent my whole oh. career trying to emulate that guy yeah, everything about him, and yeah. I did a crappy job, but I did the best I could. I did the best I could <laughs> yeah. too, you know. But uh, my second platoon, uh, the, I don't know. I we didn't like. There was no major like conflicts, mm. not even close to. And we did some exercise. We had a good time. Mm. Thailand, Australia, gotten a lot of like bar fights and. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we didn't really, kind of went by. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun yeah. and learned. I learned, I don't know, I improved on my my shooting skills. In your second platoon? In my second platoon. Not a ton, but a little bit. And I'll get more into that as we go along, but it was all right. Doing a platoon, that period of time period of platoons, which... I did one deployment to Guam in that time period, but you could see what was happening. And what was happening was, it was a pretty cookie cutter thing. Like you're gonna it do was. your workup, you're gonna go on to, to Guam, you're gonna do some exercises, you're gonna come home and you're gonna do that again. That's actually why I went and did a couple ARGs because it seemed like they different. Had, yeah, they, they, they had a little better chance it seemed of doing something real. Yep. And that's why I did a couple ARGs with a couple other guys, but uh, but yeah, it seemed like it's kind of cookie cutter. Hey, you're gonna do your workup, yeah. you're gonna do, and you're learning stuff. You're getting better at it, but that's about it. That is exactly about it. And <laughs> now that I look back at it, some of the people who were in charge of me, you know, whether they were OICs, LPOs, or chiefs, it hindsight's twenty twenty. But they didn't really do me any favors. They didn't have a lot of forward thinking, and I hate to say it, but some of them were like. Wow, let's just get through this deployment and like get through it. This is like my whole life. Like I don't, I don't care if I ever go home, you know. Yeah. This is what I do. This is our profession, you know, and and I would hold some animosity towards them and piss me off basically. Did it seem to you like it seemed to me, well, as just from what you just said, I think that there were some guys in the teams at that time period that worth not thinking at all that we were going to war ever no, no, again. No, 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 Like it no. was just not They wanted happen. to do this so they could punch that ticket to make rank. Yeah, but they were they were not thinking, hey, there's a war on the horizon. No. Hey, no. we need to be ready for combat. We need to improve our skills. There was definitely guys in the teams in the 90s that were just you know, there were some great guys too, obviously. Uh, but yeah. there was plenty of guys that were, hey, yep, we're gonna go on this deployment. This is what I have to do. Hey, stay out of trouble. Right. Yeah. Um, are we gonna set up any extra training? No. 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 We'll just train if we don't have yeah. to train, we won't. It's like, well, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if you don't make us train, we're gonna go train out in the bars. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get in big fist fights and break chairs over people's heads and get in trouble. Which I don't know why you get in trouble. I still think like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, Barpa, yeah, yeah, don't do it again. Uh, <laughs> I never got anybody in trouble for that. Like, I would be like, yeah, cool. No, don't, no, st don't be disrespectful to the cops. But 
you know, come on. You lock, can't lock guys up on an island for six months. Yeah, and then go, oh, you know, go home and, you know, get what? No, we're not, we're not jobs. That's what taxpayers pay us for, to be wild and crazy. <laughs> so when all that ah, happens, we're like right at home. That's what, that's what we do, you know? So that, so that platoon, you do, you do its cookie cutter. And then your next book, your next platoon after that, were you the LPO of nope. your next platoon after that? You nope. did another platoon. Well, the second platoon, I gave up the machine gun. And we did that one platoon. And then I became a point man. Okay. That's what kind of what I was one. That kind of takes the blinders off. Mm-hmm. And I became a point man. Was I the best point man? No. Was I the best at anything in the teams? No, ever in the history of ever, nothing. But I was decent point man. I'd say it was average. And uh, I did that for the next five platoons, unless I was in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. So I did my third platoon was point man. Wait, your second platoon was point man or second yep. platoon? Okay, so you gave up machine gun after your first platoon, yep. and now your second platoon point man, third platoon point man, yep. which means you're getting really good at land nav. Yeah, and we didn't have GPS. No GPSs. And your pace count is on. Yeah, 7,000 yards in my head. Not a like, counter, nothing, just, yeah, Roger. Mm-hmm. You know. And I got real good. I was pretty good at land nav anyway. But When did you go to sniper school? My third platoon. So in your third platoon workup, you go to sniper school. Which sniper school? Was it an NSW sniper yep. school at the time? Yeah. It must have been one of the early ones. Yeah, it was. Not, not the earliest one, so it was squared away. It was awesome, man. We did uh, like a couple days of classes, and then we went up to Coinga, California, and that's when my shooting, my long gun shooting, just became insane. Oh yeah, for so, sure. So, all right, you know, sniper school. You know, where's my cool sniper weapons? No, iron sight M14 for like two weeks straight at a thousand inches. So after a while. This is your group. Size of a quarter. 20 rounds. This is your group. And then you start shooting for distance, calling wind, still with iron sights, iron sights, iron sights. Finally, they break you into the scope. And they start teaching you how to, you know, mills, how to range targets. They even have laser range finders. Mm-hmm. And so when you finally get all that stuff, I mean, you're such a good shooter. I got out of sniper school and my platoon, we did a pistol shoot. Me and my shooting buddy, you know, Z there, uh, not Z, but that's his initial, Mm -hmm. ZJ. We smoked everybody just because we could shoot. Mm -hmm. And they just got back from like Rogers. Like, yeah, yeah, but, and that really, really, like I became a really good long gun shooter. Mm -hmm. Like awesome. Yeah, I've been shooting archery and Man, the laser rangefinder, they're freaking crazy. Oh my god, it, they're the best. They compensate they take in for everything. Angle. They're crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I bought one. I was like, "Well, I'm just going to buy one." And the guy like, he's like, "I'm like, which one's the best one?" This one. And I was like, "Okay, cool. It's compensating for angle and just real quick, I was 2 weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I was an RO, range officer, they call it, but it's a range safety officer at the Wyoming Rifle, rifle Tactical Championship. 
up in Wyoming. Some of these rangefinders these guys got <laughs> are like incredible. And a shout out to them guys. They're some of the best shooters I've ever seen in my life, like in the world. Good. What to was go. the competition? It's, it's called the Wyoming WRTC, Wyoming Rifle Tactical Championship, or or WTRC. I can't remember. Excuse me if I fuck it up. That's just the way I am. But uh, it's also a fundraiser for special operations wounded warriors. Some of the best people on the planet, man. Awesome. But some of the gear, I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> you know, but I had this back in the day that has saved me like, I don't know, 700 hours of horse shit yeah. in my life, you know, but yeah, time. But yeah, yeah, I became a really good shot. This rangefinder I have has a stabilizer on it too. Of course it's So does. you're not like shaking. Yeah, the only thing it doesn't do is like pull the trigger. You know, for give you. you a blow job and shoot the gun <laughs> for you. I mean, it's it's like crazy. Yeah, yeah. So you start. So that's when you went to sniper school, and you did that. That sniper school was the NSW with the stalking and all oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. It was hot. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. How many people graduated that school? I I can't remember. There was. I wasn't like the like the top cat. I think we had a 10, mm. maybe 15. Man, NSW came out of the gate hardcore on that school. Yeah, yeah, they did. Like that NSW sniper school. It's legit. Freaking legit. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. But I like. I loved it. I mean, I thought it was awesome. So then you go on deployment with that. Where'd you go? It was another Guam deployment? Yeah, it was, it was another insignificant. Not that it wasn't great and everything, but it was no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's what people have to understand. In the 90s, it was like you're going on deployment. Yeah. We're on standby for whatever, praying yeah. every day that a major theater war would break out. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just hoping. But well, one thing we did do is we, I'm sorry, I got to backtrack one platoon. We were in Australia working with the SAS and shooting the shit and, we were we were doing some training. We were doing some shooting. And our guys were doing like really well, like shooting wise. And of course, with those cats who are awesome, they're like the best guys ever. You know, just like a bunch of special forces around the world, they're best guys ever. Like, oh yeah, you guys, man, you're shooting the shit out of it, mate. And he goes, "Wow, it's easy for you." And I'm like, "The fuck you talking about?" You guys grow up playing freaking cowboys and army and and I'm like, you know, I never really thought of it. He goes, you know, back then they're like, we don't have guns here. They like don't have guns unless you got a special permit to hunt or you join the military or the mm -hmm. cops. We don't grow up doing that. Damn. You know, I'm like, I never thought of it. You know, that Christ BB gun wars when you're kids oh, and God. You know, just throwing rocks at you. Let's have a rock fight. What? <laughs> You know, so anyway. <laughs> yeah, you don't think too much about the fact that many of the people that come into the teams or into in the military, they grew up with a rifle or at yeah, least shooting. At least comfortable around guns. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any reason to be afraid of a gun. No, unless you're an idiot. Yeah. Then you should be afraid of it. Yeah. Because I mean, you shoot yourself. Right. But that, <laughs> and then my third platoon, we like I said, we didn't. When I was seized, did some stuff, you know. Yeah. Just, and, you know, like, 
But but people don't realize in them years when there was no wars going on, we did some like ridiculous training stuff. Oh yeah. Okay, we're gonna do like this three mile swim, and then put your gear on and hump, you know, walk like I don't know here to Saskatchewan, and then and then you get a five minute break, and then you got to <laughs> shoot like seventeen rounds in two seconds, and uh, like really, I mean. How skinny do you want me to be? <laughs> you know, I do like five mile swim, like ten mile run, and then two mile swim. Like, dude, like, it takes all day. You yeah. know, yeah. doing the monster mashes yeah. on Friday. I mean, they were fun. Yeah, they were fun. But yeah, there and and that's the other thing is I have occasionally people ask me. They say something along the lines of, "I was in the Marine Corps. I was in the Army. I was in the Navy during the '90s." And didn't do anything, and I, I feel like I didn't do a good job serving my country. And I was like, "Look, man, you served your country. You did what your country needed you to do. Yep. And when and it, when it was 1994 or 1996, and you were in the SEAL teams, and the Navy needed you to deploy to wherever and go do an exercise with some country, like that's what you did. Yeah. And and we trained, and we did, we did establish and maintain standard operating procedures. So all yeah. these little things that we do, you know, like. They came. They, 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 somebody had to carry the thread of being able to do this stuff right. f- for, for during these time periods, yep. and that's what that's what we were doing. You know, Ma- making sure that this thread, making sure that the knowledge, at least at a minimum level, stayed in place. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of it is not even the tactics and stuff. It's the I don't know. And the SEAL teams, I think. The world, the word like the phrase old school has to always be there. It has to. Yeah. Like just BTF through everything. Or, yeah. That's not an old school thing. Just just that attitude. Like you got to, at least every day in a SEAL platoon, SEAL troop, SALT team, whatever you're talking about, someone's got to be like, don't be a fucking pussy. Just do it and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because if it ain't like that in the most exclusive man's club ever, then then what do you got? You got a you got nothing. Yeah, there's definitely you definitely have to maintain that attitude of, hey, we're gonna do we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna get this done. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what we're gonna do. We're gonna get this done. And it's like, cool, man. This is gonna really suck. Yeah. Yes, things that are gonna suck real bad. Because if you don't do it, even if you're operating, you're in a platoon or whatever you're doing. If you're not doing a gut check, like a serious gut check every two months or so, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be easy. No. It shouldn't. It should be like, fuck, this is going to suck. But then when you're doing it, it's, yeah. it's, it sucks so bad it's fun. Yeah. Because you're with your chums. You're like, yeah, whatever. Everything's yeah. good. No yeah. one no one ever says anything about it. You're just like, mm. Yeah, you just, mm. Because <laughs> you, you think about some of these things that you do. You get in, you jump, you jump into the ocean with a Zodiac and then you get in the Zodiac and you rig it and it's freezing and you're in a wetsuit that's cold and now you drive from over the horizon so it's 15 or 20 miles of driving in a Zodiac. Against the swells. Against the swells, you're getting beat up, your ass is chafed, the guy next to you is puking and, and what you're doing is you're getting to a harbor somewhere so you can then 
put like, on your do put, the take, real work. Take your dive rig out of a kit bag. Yeah. Do a, like a cursory check on your dive rig to see if it got damaged on the jump. And then you put that thing on. You're freaking it's all awkward and huge and yeah. and then you roll into the water. And then you're underwater for three and a half hours <laughs> next to some idiot who doesn't know where he is. <laughs> and you're freezing. When you get in the water, you're freezing. You're, hope, yeah. you, you're actually happy when you get in the water. Because then you know you're going to warm up yeah, in like two minutes. Because you're going to be kicking. Yeah. And then you get done with that. You come back out. Got, you turn on a, IR, a strobe or an <laughs> IR strobe. Sometimes a white strobe. Because no one's out there. No, there's no enemy going to see no. you because you're in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And then you get picked up. You climb back in. You're totally exhausted. You have one of those collapsible canteen, like the two-quart canteen <laughs> is in the bottom of your kit bag. You pull that thing out. You drink some of that. Yeah. I pull it out. It got punctured. Yeah, it I got, got punctured. Nothing, nothing. So I just, like, I just go, <laughs> I got nothing. And then you got to drive another 15 miles back over the horizon. Yeah. And and it, and about you have about seven miles left. The sun starts coming up. Yeah, and then you get there, and then you get loaded into some some LCU that was meeting <laughs> you out there. So that's the kind of thing. Yeah, oh yeah. Like that's just that just sucks, man. Yeah, get used to it yeah. though. You know? All right, so that's your so your third platoon, your fourth platoon. What about your fifth platoon? My fourth, no, my fourth platoon. I was LPO. There you go. You were a second class LPO. I was a second so class. So think about petty that. Officer. For those of you that don't know what that means, you're a second class petty officer. LPOs, LPOs are usually supposed to be first classes. And now everyone in a platoon is like a first class. Right. <laughs> Back in those days, man, there was E3s, E4s, E5s, and, and then you'd have an LPO. But you were the LPO as an E5. Yep. How was that? I loved it, you know. Uh, my chief was a senior chief, and uh, God rest his soul, Mikey Hinkle died uh, a few years back. But uh, he was one of the you talk about nice guys. Yeah, super nice guy. He was like so much fun. <laughs> he had that Texas draw, like so. Uh, what do you think we ought to do with this shit, Tony? You know, <laughs> he's just funny, you know. But uh, we had a great platoon. We uh, again, we didn't we didn't really do anything. No, uh, made no war. How'd you like being like actually in charge? Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. I uh, had a pretty good OIC and AOIC, and we worked together. We didn't. I wasn't. I'm like, hey, this is how I think we should do it. But you know, let me know. And there was a couple E sixes in the platoon too. They were newer guys, so they didn't. Oh, so you were the E5 LPO ranking, bossing around or whatever, in charge of guys that were senior to you on paper because they'd come Absolutely. from the or something like that. Yep. And no big deal, though. No big deal. Team guys, team guys. We yeah. figured it out. But once again, we we did a lot of drinking and fighting. and Didn't you knock out one of your guys or something? Yeah, yeah that's just... That's just stuff that happens in a platoon. I mean, I got yelled at by the XO, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't, you know. He was like, don't do that. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But we didn't, we weren't out in town. The cops didn't get involved or anything. We just kind of like, whatever. Swept it on the table. And 
I was like in the office, like I'll, I'll do it again right now. And he's like, no, 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 I don't care. But you know, it was all right. Then I left team one after that. Not because I had to, uh-huh. but I transferred to SEAL Team 5 after that. And uh, at that time, SEAL Team 5 seemed like a le- a, it seemed like it had a little less stringent. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was the Wild West. It was, it was 300 feet down the street, and it was like going, you know, going to the Wild West. Yeah. And I'll say this about Team 5, man. At that time, in the 90s, they were full of characters. I mean, fucking characters. Yeah. I show up for quarters the first morning. I'm in my starch camis with my haircut. You could shave in my jungle boots, you know? It's Team 1. Because that's the way Team 1 was. Yep. The quarters is like 7.20. I'm standing there. I'm the only guy on the grinder, and it's like 7.16. And then the back gate opens. It's like coming out of the Drew Carey show back in the 80s. Like, guys are on skateboards. Nobody's wearing a uniform. They don't give a fuck. And they're like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. What are we doing for PT today? I don't know. Who cares? Just go run and, I don't know, hit the gym. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Everything was loose. Everybody was wicked cool. So I'm like, but then when I started working with everybody, the square awayness was there mm-hmm. in the training department and the platoons. They just proved that you don't need to be like so uniform and standards that and still be good operators. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys were the best. I loved being at SEAL Team Five. I loved being at all my teams, but you know that was that was fun. Yeah, there was a bunch of guys that migrated from Team One down to Team Five. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So I got in a platoon there, and it was another ARG. So this was my fifth platoon, and I did an ARG. But we had a great And did they make you the LPL? Oh, no. No, I did three more platoons not being the LPL after that. Damn. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting deal. Oh, yeah, Because you kind of knew how to run shit. I was still an E5. Yeah. So we did the ARG, and, and... we uh we went overseas. Again, we did like some watch in Kuwait. Mm-hmm. They still had that thing yeah, where yeah, guys yeah. are doing ISR or whatever, but nothing major. We didn't do anything. But uh, it sucked. Like I was on another arg, <laughs> and I was like, man, this is this is fucked up. I'm like, I'm getting, you know, I, I just reenlisted. I went over like 10 years, so I'm like, okay, I'm committed for 20 now, you know. You know, you can only work out so much and you can only drink so much, you know. It's getting stagnant. But when I came back, they had this, uh, the the CAP, the Command Advancement Program. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's 52 E5s at SEAL Team 5. And what they'll do is they'll just, instead of taking a test, they'll just make you an E6. And you get paid right away. It was a big, it's, it's kind of a big thing. So out of 52 E5s, I was ranked number one. So I got the cap. Mm-hmm. So when TD was the CO, I walked in there and we were talking. And it was between me and Diamond. God bless my brother Diamond. He mm-hmm. died last year. Mm-hmm. And I go, 
Fuck you. You give it to Diamond. He's got a wife and kid. I'll get it next year or I won't ever get it. So Diamond got it. And I was like, yeah. And he bought the beer. So what's the difference? <laughs> so it was all good to go. But I was like, I don't care about rank. I never did. So I did that. And, you know, I thought it was cool. That is. That's yeah. awesome. What uh, Did you get capped the next year? Yes, sir, I did. <laughs> they used to tell me that I got capped my whole career because I did. Because yeah. I got capped because I, I got capped to E5 and then I got capped to Ensign. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> right, because you went into the program. Yeah, yeah. But that, that ARI platoon we did, we had a great platoon. Like one, two, three, four of those guys are not with us anymore. And not one of them is from a combat thing. Mm. You know, natural causes or self inflicted, you know. Um, but it was a good, it was a great platoon. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of terrible times, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you have terrible times, but they're fun when they're you're with fun, a bunch of people man. that just are having fun. So with it. that platoon, my OPO, I don't know if he's still in BH. I don't know. If, mm. He was awesome. He, you know, he was great. My, I had two chiefs in that platoon. <laughs> One like gave up or got fired or something. And all this time. I had chiefs that gave me some good advice. Like my third platoon, JH was the chief. He was in buds with me. He was a higher rank. Mm -hmm. So he had kind of a tough go at it when he got to the teams. Mm -hmm. But he turned out to be one of my best platoon chiefs. He was smart, articulate. You, you know him. Mm -hmm. He was cool too, you know. just He didn't offer me a lot of advice tactically because we kind of grew up at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, we're both. Same level, but he was good with the Navy. Like, he told me this and that. Taught me shit that I forgot, but it was good to know, you know. But a lot of the examples I used as a platoon chief that I drew on were mostly bad. I'd have to say, you know, 51% of them were what not to do. And you were looking at him at the time saying, no, that's not a good move. Or were you looking at it, or did you figure out later that chief wasn't doing a good thing. I remember doing one thing. We're doing this crazy shipboarding thing. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it again. Fucking, you know, we're, we're not there yet. We're not good at it. And my chief was like, well, yeah, the confident guys are going to say that. And I'm like, what the fuck? What, now all of a sudden there's two groups, like the confident and the non-confident. We're fucking frogmen. What do you, what do you mean non-confident? What is that? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm that way when I look at a fucking computer or something. But like in the teams... Who's, who's not confident? Yeah, that is a strange. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm never going to say that ever in the history of ever. <laughs> like ever, ever, you know? <laughs> so then so then, at what point did you uh, go into training? Oh, I still had a couple platoons to go here. Damn, bro. Yeah. So, you, that, so your fifth platoon was the ARC platoon. Yeah. You stepped down from L where you, you yep. were not the LPO. Right. So now you do your sixth platoon. Yep. And what are you doing in the sixth platoon? Point man again. Point man, air rep. Point man air rep. Yep. <laughs> and that was a spec ops deployment yep. to Guam. Yep. Hammering it out. Hammering Get your workout done. Get yep. your workup done. Yep. Land warfare. CQC. Yep. Long humps in the desert. Yep. ORE. 
Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> By then I knew Nylon so well, like I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm the point man, I'm like, yeah, this is ridiculous. You're doing it with your eyes closed. I'm like, hey, you know what, Chief, why don't you just let me carry the machine gun? He's like, why? Because let the machine gun be the point man, let's mix it up. Mm. He's like, oh, dude, cool. You know, the guy's like, oh, well, that was another uneventful year and a half, two years. Kinda. When did you make? So then did you, what about your seventh platoon? Well, I made E6 in my sixth platoon. Damn. So I was in E6 in my seventh platoon, but I wasn't the LPO again. I was, I was the ordinance rep. I went back to ordinance rep, point man. <laughs> okay. You just keep rolling. You yeah. Know? You just keep yeah, rolling. Yeah, you did keep rolling. Yep. And uh, after that one, another, that was Arg Bravo, though. We actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we spent like 30 days on the ship. Uh-huh. Like Korea or something. It was terrible. I remember that because I watched the Subway series on the ship back then when the Mets were playing the Yankees. Oh, okay. Like, right, I think we ended in 2000, maybe 99, 2000, something. So you're a first class at this point. Yep. And then you get sent to trade at? I get sent to training cell at Team 5. Training cell at Team 5. And after, like, a couple of months. So you did your platoon LPO, and then you did four more deployments? Uh, yeah. Before I was a chief. And then you then you got signed a training cell. Yep. And, and then I, they take training cell and they group it all together into trade at right. One. So I did like a year in trade training cell at five. Okay. And then when I got orders to trade at, it was for three years. I'm like, wait a minute, I already did a year in training. They're like, yeah, we don't give a shit. I'm like, fuck. So we stood up trade at and uh I was the LPO of Land Warfare the whole time I was there. Mm -hmm. And during that, I did get another school, though. I went to New Zealand to the tracking course. Oh, damn. So I learned how to track humans over there. It was it was an awesome, like, not easy course. Mm -hmm. Met a lot of really good cats from around the world and had a lot of fun. When did, uh, how long had you been at trade at when September 11th happened? Um, I'm not sure, maybe six months. Six months. And then what, what did you just freak out completely? No, I went to New Zealand. Everybody else went to Afghanistan. I went to New Zealand. Because oh. I had to how go. How long was that course? Seven weeks. So you get done with that, and now you're freaking out. Well, of course I am. So I come back from that, and all right, what am I going? Well, okay, you, you're gonna go, you're gonna go. And then, like, I didn't. I just kept working at Nylon, working, working, working. And then when Iraq kicked off, one of my old mass chiefs like, I need a guy, so he took me and sent me overseas, and that's when you were there. Yeah. In Iraq. This is when, yeah, you relieved us. Right. So we sh you, we did like a little turnover or whatever. Well, I was working with the Poles. Yeah. So, But we were working with the Poles. So. Right. Yeah. So you came in to kind of take over the liaison or right. whatever That's position exactly with those guys. And then, which was a good job. Oh, it was great. You yeah. must have been stoked. So I was I was in Baghdad. I was in Al-Assad. I was in Mosul. I was back and forth to Bahrain. I really... I was like the in theater guy, if you wanted something done. 
I mean, I was walking through these foreign airports with duffel bags full of machine guns and just going to like the Brits or whatever country had a plane. Hey, they're like, we can't do that. I'm like, yeah, here, here's a bottle of scotch. I mean, that's how you got shit done. And then all of a sudden I'd show up in like Basra and like, okay, I got to do this for a while. And then I'd be like, all right, yeah, I'm going to go to Mosul, get a flight there from bribing people with stuff and no orders. And, you know, you think it's like, well, you get your orders and you wait for your plane. No, it wasn't like that. You just got to fend for yourself. And I loved it. It was awesome. Then you did that full. And I made chief on that deployment. That's when you made chief. Yeah. I squeaked under the thing. I had like 19 years in. Oh, damn. Or 18 and a half, whatever it was. <laughs> and then when when did you find out you were going to go to Team 3? Uh, right after I made chief. Yep. Because uh, the guy we were talking about called me in his office. He goes, I got you a platoon at Team 3. I'm yeah. like, roger that. Perfect. Were you ever worried you weren't going to make chief and you'd get? No, no. You figured it would work out. Yeah, I, it would always work out. <laughs> I would make it work out. I'd strangle someone before I didn't. You know, it would just it would just work out. Bodies would disappear. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> now I, I'd, I'd take this and I'd be like, all right, here's what's going to happen. You know, your signature is going to be on there, or your blood. You know, it's one or the other. It's going to fucking happen, and that's it. Not, I've been not been doing this my whole life. Just to like, okay, you know, I'll retire and go sit over in the corner like a queen. You know, no, I'm not gonna do it. And so, then, so then you showed up at Team Three. I show up at Team Three, <laughs> and, and there's Task Unit Bruiser. We we talked about that on the, the we last talked time about there. on the last yeah. one, but we got to reiterate that. that was so funny. Like, who's this Willink guy? And I'm like, who? Oh, Jocko? They're like, no, it says John Willink. Willink. I'm like, nah, I don't really know him. I kind of know him, and I'm walking away. They're like, oh, 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 oh. They're like, don't worry. We're good to go. <laughs> We're all set. We're all set, chum. They're like, no, but, you know, the officer's like, well, what's he like? I'm like, he's good to go. That's all you need to know. Just stand the fuck by. <laughs> yeah. Don't have any fucking me. I don't care. I didn't know you my whole life. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I go, don't have any, like, loose ends. <laughs> and they're just like, you know how officers they're are. Like, Jesus. They're like, I'm like, what do you mean? I mean no fucking loose ends because <laughs> he's going to, he'll, he's like a shock in the water, like a smell blood. He'll go, oh, really? He can't show up with a proper uniform? <laughs> and they're just like, really? What is he, like a uniform Nazi or whatever, you know? And I'm like. No, he's just like do it right. <laughs> I go, I go. Here's here's an idea. If you do say, hey, what do you think about this, Jocko? And he go, he'd look at you and go, well, I thought about like doing it like good, <laughs> not like what you're saying. That's just junk. <laughs> and they're like, oh fuck. Of course, you know. Then you meet everybody. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was good. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, that was a. Uh, good time you could tell almost immediately like that we were gonna have a good time oh i I, like, I know i know everyone was kind of there everyone was kind of in the game and yeah you could tell pretty quick we we're gonna have a good time and the very first thing we did was land warfare which is as it should be yep. there's a little bit of luck involved with training you get to do first but you know we got lucky 
you that might say, or someone moved the freaking things on the boards over at Trade at to make us have land warfare first. But we had land warfare first. You know, there's a lot of guys, team guys, pro- listening to your podcast, the way we shoot the shit here. And I, I got to think that they're like, yeah, we did this first. I don't remember if we did that first. Like, I remember everything. Like, everything. But not everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you say, uh, like, my chum that lives down there in Florida wrote, wrote a book. He's got a memory. Because I'm like, how the fuck did you remember that? Mm-hmm. He's like, I used to write stuff down. Now, I had a wheel book just like you did, mm-hmm. and I would write stuff down. And I go back. I still have them. This, mm-hmm. They make no sense. Mine make no sense. <laughs> it Mine says, no sense. I got, got grid coordinates. Then I got a big line through it. And it says, other fucking grid. And then roll over next day, uh, get get guns. Like, what? Yeah. Mine Why are, would you have to write that down? Mine are like that, too. I have, from when we were in Ramadi, I have three, like, uh, I forget what size they are, but maybe maybe eight by six or something. Yeah, they yeah. fit in your cargo pocket, right? And I carried it all the time. And so I've got all these little boxes with words next to them. And I can kind of remember what some of them, one thing that's cool is when I would sit through a mission brief, I would write my notes down that I was gonna say to everyone. So I have like mission, you know, 134. Right, right. And it says, you know, tell them to watch, you know, it says, watch that road, uh, this building is a threat, yep. and don't forget to check in with this ECP. Right. You know, like yeah, just, yeah. just like random stuff that was super and important super, at the time. And super emphasized the rules of engagement. Yeah, yeah, of course. You always did that, I thought that was great. Yeah, um, but so I have these kind of like random notes, and what oh, sucks God. is Leif had the whole hard drive of every op that we did, and it was classified secret, obviously. And it was classified secret for no good reason. But you know, when we we had to turn it in and they took it and it's destroyed or whatever, but that had every op sum, every op, every planning. I mean, everything was on that. And yeah, that's good. The notebooks I have are like your notebooks. It's like some random grid coordinate, some random execution checklist, four lines, and I'm like, and I'll rearrange this. Yeah, it's like so many they can't remember, like all the shit, you know. I'd look at the notebooks, and usually none of them were like full. Some were like three quarters, Mm -hmm. then I lost it in a para bag forever. (laughs) So I just get another one, and I'd be like, I'd write this down like, ugh. And I'm thinking, why am I writing this down? Like, at what point, like in the middle of the night, when I'm on nods and I'm in a gunfight, I'm going to pull this notebook out and go, oh, yeah, here. No, I'm just going to BTF to some place where there's nobody shooting at me. And then I'll, like, figure it out. Yeah. Because, yeah. 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 That's why I would be, I wrote down, the notes that I wrote down were all notes that I wrote down so that I was going to tell you guys. Yeah, like that's oh yeah. like every every note I have is a note to you guys. I mean, very. I guess maybe there's a th- a third of them that are notes to me that say like, "Hey, tell the CO blah blah blah," or "Tell the brigade commander that you know the guys are going to be over here." Like, so there's some notes like that, but I don't have any notes that say, "Um, I felt uh, I felt good about this operation," and I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't of have. Of course any, not. No. I never had any of that shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any of that. I don't like like when I actually did sleep. I would like, all right, my gun's good. Okay, I'd lay down. 
and I would sleep like a baby for those hours, whatever. Yeah. I slept so good in a war zone. Number one, you're like wicked tired. Yeah, Number two, say. it's simple. Yeah. It's not like life. You get up every day, like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, it's fine. And go to bed. Get up. Yeah, easy. Mm-hmm. Not like regular life shit. Terrible. Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely the op tempo of there's just you constantly have the next thing that you're like there's no you never finish on a deployment you you yeah. like you don't finish the day the day no. just rolls into the next day into the next day into the next day so you're just on this this amped up cycle of what are we going to do next what's going on yep. and it this doesn't stop so when yeah. you when you when you have a chance to lay down you're like oh yeah yeah you're done there's a picture of me and Dave Burke that is, good deal Dave yeah yeah Nice reaction time. Uh, but it's me and him. I'm pretty sure it's Cop Falcon. And, you know, he's the commander of Salt 6. And I'm the commander of Tasking a Bruiser. And we're up on this rooftop. And we're both asleep. It's, it's probably about 10 o'clock in the morning. And it's funny. But I was thinking, like, by the time I would get into the field, I'd be so Done. tired. <laughs> Done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that'd be the first time where like, okay, cool. Everyone's on security and I'm going to go to sleep right now. And yeah. that's Dave Burke and me sitting on a rooftop, racked out. Just done. And just need three hours of sleep. I remember that one deployment, that one. I was up on this building and I had a 301 mag and I was looking through this thing. And for some reason, that little section... It was just me. We didn't have enough people for the whole building, whatever. So that's fine. I could crawl and meet up with the other guys and then go downstairs. No big deal. It was like August. And I'm like, fuck. I don't have any water. <laughs> I don't have any shade. Nothing. But I have to stay on the gun. So now I realized this about 9 in the morning. So the sun goes down at like 9 at night. And I go, okay, yeah, I'm breaking my shit down. Kind of. So this is after you've been sitting there for 14 hours. Yeah. And so you I, have. I, I crawl back. You have zero fucking water in your system at this like point. Like nothing. nothing. It's like 120 <laughs> degrees. So I'm like, I break out my Silver Ranger. And I look, because I know what's going on. My lips are as white as this piece of paper. Like, just like the chunks. Mm-hmm. So I'm like going I'm peeling it off I'm like I you know I'll be fine but I literally got like three hours to like die <laughs> and I like, like, uh. so I don't say a fucking thing because I want to be a pussy you know <laughs> but I, I know I got some cokes or something and wouldn't come to you you know wouldn't <laughs> I finally like get that like because <laughs> my throat's like this big, you know. There's like nothing. There's no airway, so I put my rock on. We're exfilling out of the building at night, you know. And it's like, you know, I'm like looking down, holding my field of fire, you know. And I'm the chief, so I, I should be smarter than that. But I'm like, you know, my vision starts to narrow because I like, and I'm like. I can snap out of it. And I'm like, now I'm good to go. 
I get back and after like an hour back at the camp, I'm like, oh shit, I gotta drink some water. <laughs> you know, and I drank like four quarts of water. Like, oh, oh, oh. And like six hours later, I was pissing like blue, <laughs> you know, still. I don't think you can really come back from a dehydration like that, but it's all those years of like drinking and that just conditions you. So when it's, you know, nylon, so when you get into that spot, it's not so bad. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to die. I'm wicked close. <laughs> no, seriously, like, you start, you know, feeling your dizziness, and then you just go, and it goes away for a while, then it comes back. Because you, you can't outrun your body. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, the dehydration will get you. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how the, man, you'd see guys at, you'd see guys at the desert, uh, training, they'd go, they'd go tits up. Pretty much, if we were doing, when I was at trade at, if if it was summer and we were doing like a eight, six to eight click insert, by the time extract was going down, there was a decent chance someone was going down, like yeah. for real. Yeah, and and you're talking about completely sober, usually hydrated. Was, usually it was on the dudes. insert. Why is it that it was usually on the insert? Because you're just coming out of the damn air conditioning. Because uh, that's now that I think about it, it was almost always on the insert. Well, one of the things I instituted, and, and if, if I'm wrong about this, somebody correct me, but I think I was the first guy to do it, was when we were doing immediate action drills, I would walk the guys out, and I did fucking thousands of those. Mm -hmm. And I would pre-plan a guy and you kind of could tell, like, we're not going to shoot back towards the canal kind of shit. But a guy who's on the right flank, if it was perpendicular or parallel, whatever mm -hmm. it was, with a point man, they would just fall down with nothing, just fall down and, like, lay there. Guys would be like, contact right, you know, or they start shooting. And they uh -oh. drag the wounded guy, and I'm like, Okay, and then they come back, casualty. and usually they did a good job, you know. I'm like, so what happened? And, and, well, you know, we took contact. This guy went down, blah, blah, blah. No, you didn't. The guy just fell down. Well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, maybe it was a heat casualty. Mm -hmm. And not to be a dink. Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. to be a dink. Yeah, but, a little bit. That's how you teach the lesson, But though. it's like, you know. So how do you differentiate? Maybe he gets taken out by someone you don't hear the shot. Well, what are you shooting at? You know, it, it, there's no real good answer. It's like you try to take the blinders off. Yeah, I was know? gonna say, that's one of those things what you're actually teaching is like, you actually have to think about what's happening. Oh, absolutely. Like even an immediate action drill. Like, okay, there's an immediate action drill, but you better be you better think about what's actually going on because the, the answers aren't, uh, what's the word? The answers aren't just a rote memory. No, there's right? no it's answer. A, yeah. It's all <laughs> yeah, exactly. a bunch of garbage you got to decipher and figure out. And, you know. The only thing that comes close to it in the civilian world is hunting. You got elk hunt this last past year. I mm -hmm. killed this gigantic bull elk. Me and two team guys mm -hmm. were, there was five team guys there in Wyoming and when I when I killed my big bull, it was like the other two guys couldn't carry a gun because they already limited out. They tagged out, mm -hmm. so we ran it just like an op, and we have you know a little PLO take off, hand arm signal comes up, mm -hmm. 
guys are my chum crass is like okay this big bull elk's going from here to here and it was so intense and i tell this to my chums like i mean i've actually shot some guy in the war whatever you know like yawning like uh, you know like uh, hunting elk i'm like this it, it, they're so like big and majestic and beautiful and like they will kill you in a minute and they don't care about you they're just like it's like life on steroids it's so unbelievable i highly recommend that if you like hunting you hunt elk because it's they're screaming yeah. you know and they're in the rut and they're battling each other you can hear the tines and then the big bull comes out oh, fucking incredible man. i'm going in september it's unbelievable with a bow it's i've never i'm not a bow hunter <laughs> yeah but i don't know where you're going you're going to idaho going to utah utah yeah yeah to a to a place that guy went to high school bow hunts in utah he's from there. so the, we'll the, talk this this the hunt that i'm going on i'm going with uh it's, it's like a it's like the, the the best possible hunt like andy andy stump he said that this Hunt. He's like, yeah. This, this, he's like, this hunt is gonna spoil you because it's the best possible. No, I hunt. love that. Guy. And even he's the great. guy that's taking me, John <laughs> Dudley, who's you know a world famous bow hunter and archer, and he's like, yeah, it's good. This is as good as it gets. Like this, the spot where I'm going is as good as it gets. So, should be it's, freaking awesome. It's it's so yeah. badass. Yeah, you know. And I went I went home back to New Hampshire because it was that was an October season. Back to New Hampshire, hunted. I hunt with these guys up at a camp. They're just like the best. Everybody's like a character. Killed a lot of deer this year, you know, but it's not like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's. You know one thing. Well, so this guy John Dudley was asking me. He's like, it seems like this would be good for guys to get into. Oh my god, it's the <laughs> I'm best. Like, I'm like, yeah, and for me. So we just did this uh, 3D archery challenge up in Montana. And when we're up there, look, it's an it's an admin thing basically. Like oh, yeah. you're, you're walking through the woods, and then they go, okay, there's the target, and then you you shoot the target. They're anywhere between thirty and maybe 120 yards with a bow, which is far shots. But for me, I was telling him, I'm like, you know, when I was younger in the teams, we would patrol around the woods. Yeah, and that's what you're doing. You're patrolling yeah. around the woods. You're it's, trying to be quiet, and like. That's a skill that and the wind, yeah, the wind, and but like even in the desert, it's different than like when I was when I when we would go to Fort Lewis, Washington, or we'd go to Fort Chaffee, Arkansas, or like we'd go down to Panama. Did you ever go do one of the tr the training trips to Panama? No. So, like patrolling through the woods, patrolling oh, through the Panama, jungle. not Panama City, Panama. No Panama. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. in the jungle. Oh, so, yeah, it was so crazy. You get that <laughs> that that uh, skill of walking quietly through the woods and yeah. looking at someone else and doing all hand signals and not, and I was saying this to John, I'm like, and you're not talking. No, no. <laughs> which I know I have a podcast, which is what I do is like talk a bunch, but I actually, I actually don't love to talk to all people all the time. No, really, <laughs> really. So, <laughs> so I someone, some like J.O. or junior <laughs> officer would walk up like, Hey, what's up? Yeah, hey. Well, hey, Chaco, what do you think about this? And you just be like, and you just like turn and walk away. Like, <laughs> and the guy be like looking at me, like, what are you looking at me for? Huh? 
know. He just doesn't <laughs> want to talk to you. So what? Don't get all butthurt over it. <laughs> He's got like stuff on his mind. Like I'm hungry. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to going out in that hunt in uh, in September, and I'll report back with how it goes. Absolutely, man. There's a no pressure shooting a freaking bow and arrow at. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's no joke, dude. It's I mean, no we'll be joke. we'll be we'll be thirty or forty yards away. Yeah, like it's, outside it's, of that, like I I I can loosely hit a target you know well at, you've been practiced like you yeah, can yeah shoot. i practice i practice but you don't want to you don't want to have a bad shot no but how, how are you everything good like shooting your bow like 50 yards i'll hit all the time like yeah. you're good to go i'll hit yeah like 50 see, yards. You're, you're a bad example like how can i stand next to you with like a fucking tambourine <laughs> and make you like shake because nothing you'll be like laughing i ain't like that man when they're when they're yeah. fucking screaming it's it's the coolest thing in the fucking world i swear to god that's awesome well well i don't know if you want to get a you want to get a bow and start hunting i'm sure one thing at a time (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know what i'm doing after this podcast probably going across the street to buffalo wild wings and get all gooned up (laughs) (laughs) uh so bruiser I mean, you know, like I said, there's a million things to talk about with TU Bruiser, but when you got done with TU Bruiser, what were your what were your like looking back on it? Not looking back on it now, because now you just look back and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, that was." Awesome. But when you were like, when we got back two weeks later, what were you? What were you? When you looked back at it from that closer perspective, I I was kind of lost, like. It's not gonna get any better than that, you know. I I was in the next troop. I was the the, uh, the ops chief. chief. Then I got fired. I didn't get fired. I get fired because I made senior chief. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, cool, all right. And then I had to go to the senior enlisted academy, and I was like, whatever. And you know, then I went to team seven. And I pretty much got fired, which was fine. I didn't want to do that anyway. And I was in ranges, and they're like, we need a guy to go do the provincial reconstruction team. I'm like, okay. So in, I went in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan. Yeah. So I went to Afghanistan. Well, I did this workout for like two months at Camp A in Indiana. So this is a this is a, a mission where you'll be going with not with like a SEAL platoon, but you're going with some other kind of uh, ad hoc group of people put oh, together? No. Oh no, What I, was it? It was, I had a, a SEAL lieutenant commander as a CO. Oh, okay. And I was a SEAL senior chief, and we were the only SEALs. And I had about 100 people from the Navy, the Army, the National Guard, so it was and the Air Force. So it was ad hoc. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Got it. it was it was like leadership challenge because oh, I'm sure. not used to working like with the regular, but I am used to working with the regular military because every frogman has to. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't that bad, but I had like very, very minimal combat experience. I had a couple of guys like these old crusty guys who are in the South Carolina National Guard. 
Some guys were in the Rangers. They were, they were awesome, man. Bunch of they were all like cops, law, uh, sheriffs, or dude, they must have loved uh, you. Oh yeah, <laughs> or uh, or prison guards, you know, and, and National Guard cats. They were friggin' awesome, you know. Once we got through the language barrier, because I'm from New England, you know, they're all from South Carolina. They they were badass, man. They were like a platoon. That was just mine, my platoon, you know. And they were friggin' great like, to a to a guy. Every one of them was awesome. I had some reserve CBs who mm-hmm. took care of the trucks. Yep. I had guys with no combat experience, never even driving these trucks. You know, mortars coming in. They performed magnificently. It was it was cool. But I, I did a lot of vehicle work with them. You know, immediate action drills how to deal with down people, you know. And we got some, we actually got some pretty good training. You know, I learned a few things. I'm not afraid to admit when I learned something from, you know. But we were there like a year, you know, and I broke off for like a month, month and a half, and just went back to my SEAL buddies and got after it, got a bunch of gunfights. And, you know, we'd get mortared all the time. I'd be eating a sandwich and rock Chinese 107s come in. Like, I'm like, eh, whatever. But you know it was cool. What was what were you guys actually doing? We'd go into uh, areas and like we wouldn't build schools, we wouldn't build bridges, but we'd facilitate it. We'd go in there and meet with the village elders. <laughs> you know, say we need this, okay. So we'd send up a proposal, and then we'd go back, give them money, mm-hmm. you know. Or, or put it out to bid. And, of course, that's all garbage. <laughs> it's just a big, like, shakedown. All the local politicians, just, they just come in and take the money. And they're like, okay, we'll give you, okay, let's say we give him $50,000 to build a bridge. All right, so the guy wins the bid. His company gets the fifty grand. The politician comes in and takes, like, thirty. And then they build the bridge for so $3,000. No, they come back and they go, we don't have enough to finish. We give them the rest of the money. Uh, I mean, it's like 20% of the 40%, 30, I don't know what it is. Percentage is all shakedown money that were given to Afghanistan. It's like crazy. Mm. But, you know, people think in this country that every other country is like us. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I remember that. <laughs> I don't know if you remember when we got to Ramadi, the, one of the things that um, the guys were concerned about was they were like, hey, the the officers in the Iraqi army are taking the enlist. They're, they're skimming yeah, some of the Yeah, we're worried about that. And then it was like, you talk to the Iraqis, they're like, yeah, well, he's the boss. Of course he's gonna take some of my money. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, he's gonna take a little is. skim, that's the way it goes, you know? And we were all thinking, like, like in America, if you heard that, hey, the officer is skimming money off the enlisted yep. guys' paychecks, it'd be like, oh, that guy needs to be crucified. Right, Over there, right. they're like, well, the, yeah. They were like, well, yeah. Of course, he's taking a little. That's his. He's the boss. It's not like it's not like people over there go like this. They see it on the like six o'clock news with, you know, uh, whatever chick. You know, she's up there going, oh, today the scandal was. There's no, no, there's none of that. It's just whatever. <laughs> it's, just, it's all wild west. Just do whatever. You got big guns. You get all the money. <laughs> yeah. Then you spent. That that year, how many like different villages did you guys go try? Oh my god! Like all kinds of them. Yeah. How would you get in there? Were you guys doing patrols in there? Vehicle patrols? You flying in? Um, We rarely 
used air assets. We had always had air support though, mm-hmm. at least standby. But most of the time we drove vehicles. I had somewhere be- between a dozen and up to like 20 vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I was usually the vehicle commander. I wasn't overall in charge yeah. of the operation. Yeah. Sometimes I was. Mm-hmm. But I took these people who never really been in a military vehicle that much and we were okay. We survived a few ambushes, got blown up a few times, mm-hmm. had wreckers with us, refueling tankers. I mean, it was crazy. These were some long transits then. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah 100 miles, some of them, one way. The IED threat was... was it was gigantic. Mm-hmm. It was gigantic. Like I said, we got blown up a couple times, but you could tell it was amateur hour. So back then, like I said, back then, we had three big threats. One was your trip wires or uh, your manual, mm-hmm. you know. And then you had... Um, pressure plates. Pressure plates. Victim activated. Yeah. So your pressure plates. So the way we counter we we countered pressure plates is you got the mine rollers, mm-hmm. and they're like an eight thousand pound thing that you put in front of either a Mat V or a uh, whatever the other one is. I had in my own Mat V. It was awesome. <laughs> But so you roll that in front, and of course I had a driver, mm-hmm. you know. But you can't just drive with that. You have to counterbalance the. Mm-hmm. It's weird. You have to learn how to drive it. So that's like re- driving a trailer reverse. Right. You'd have to put eight thousand eight thousand pounds of pressure, or whatever it was. Maybe I'm wrong. And it would detonate. And if it does detonate, it's not. It's gonna fuck you up. But it's not gonna flip because you know how explosion works. It goes mm-hmm. like this. So we had that for the pressure plates for the. Uh, so you had some countermeasures for the IEDs. Yeah. And you ended up hitting just a couple. Yeah, just a couple. Yep. But yeah. around us, guys hit a lot. Yeah. So we had to respond, and we got pretty good at like going out, not really being a a uh, QRF, but going out and providing support. Mm-hmm. And I we'd fan out, and I'd walk up and talk to who was in charge, and like, yeah, what can we do? You know, but Afghanistan was kind of cool because I really loved the terrain. Mm-hmm. Big mountains, like a couple thousand, you know, eight, that 9,000 feet up. You mm-hmm. know, it was pretty cool. It was actually beautiful over there. I don't Yeah. Could have ski friggin' lodges and, <laughs> you know, it's, that's northeast Afghanistan. Yeah. Out west, it's like desert, but it was cool. And then... I came back from that and I put my papers in to retire and I was just like, went back to Nylon, running the boys. But I basically had a great crew. I mean, pipe hitting guys, they just knew what to do. So I, I kind of like get up in the morning and have my coffee. And I hit the gym for a bit, maybe go for a run. And then jump in my side by side with my 12 gauge and go shoot rattlesnakes. Then eat lunch and then do that some more. Go out to the range, look around. Uh, everything good? Yep. Come back to the camp, like watch hockey and drink beer all night. And I did pretty good. But I was like, I got to get out. I got to retire. So, and, that, and that's pretty much it. You know, it was terrible to get out. And it's just, <laughs> I mean, I did some contract work for a while. Yeah. That dried up and then went back to land, you know, landscaping and, 
construction type work and that sucks but it was cool <laughs> yeah. what are you gonna do now you're retired now is that right oh yeah i mean no i mean like retired like uh yeah you're not going to work every day right no, now no 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 i guess that's what i mean by retired no, not not this summer not yet so i'm just kind of like BTFing around. <laughs> you know, it's, it's actually kind of cool. <laughs> hey, I got some questions for you. Yes, people. sir. And this is a great first question. It's very serious. In retrospect, what's the dumbest reason you've ever gotten into a bar fight? <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> uh, probably be easier to figure out the smartest reason you ever got into a bar fight well I'd, I'd have to say Far East Rock one night like watching Monday Night Football and the, the Patriots were losing or something <laughs> and someone said oh well, you know what that's, that's cool because you know I don't have him in my fantasy football league, and I just went fucking whack, and I fucking <laughs> smacked the guy. I don't know. It was like, like it's just terrible. Like I just, I was pissed and drunk, and I don't, you know, that was pretty dumb. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> Sounds like a good one. In twenty plus years in the teams, what situation challenged your leadership the most, and how did you work through it? Um. I'd probably have to say when uh, when when Mark Lee got killed. I'd have to honestly. Yeah, of course. And uh, I mean that's kind of a weird question, and I'll get to that. But I I had to like shove that fucking shit deep down, and not like show it. And make sure that it was there for the rest of the guys because the milk's on the floor. Obviously, you got to find out why it happened so we don't do it again. What the fuck? You know, sometimes there is no answer. But I had to push that shit way down and focus on the tasks at hand, whatever they were the day. I couldn't just go, hey, Jocko, and like, I'm a bag of shit. I, I'll see you in two days. I, I, you can't do that. No. So, I mean, I, and I pushed it down before, but that I had to really, really, really push it down. So, that was that was challenging. I mean, other times like leadership, I had guys that get DUIs. We intercepted the mail, hide it from the cops, so they never got DUI. Just take care of it on your own out in town. And I can say that because both the guys I did it for are dead. Mm. So I mean, I had no problem like fucking cutting through red tape. And, but uh, yeah, that that was probably the worst. <laughs> What was your favorite qualification school that you attended while in the teams? Oh, that's uh, that's easy. It's a cross between sniper school and the tracking course. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking great. Yeah, yeah, really good. That must have been when you were in that when you were hunting. Yeah, man, you must have just been like, completely oh, yeah. overjoyed. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> but like tracking elk, if you've never done it, it's you, you don't have to go. Oh, you. You look over, especially if there's a little snow, mm -hmm. there's like eight billion tracks because they're in a herd. So it's not like you're like, ooh, look at me. I can see it from like 600 yards away. Like, yeah, but there's no snow there because it was just, 
you when you listen to these podcasts when I had this guy uh, tilt John Stryker Meyer and his buddy Doug the Frenchman Letourneau on they'd be out in Laos or Cambodia and there was trackers there was NVA trackers with dogs oh, yeah. that yeah. would be coming after them they carried as part of their standard loadout they carried pepper like dust yeah. and and uh, some other uh, the damn coughing medicine what is the coughing what tear gas tear gas oh, powder yeah. they had that so they they put that on their trail and they'd hear the dogs like the dogs would be coming so then they'd range them and, yeah, then all, and then all of a sudden they'd start freaking out and then they'd yeah. bring up another dog skip that area and uh i said to, i said to tilt i was like do you do you I said, you must hate dogs. He goes, I hate them. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but we, we, would, we train on how to defeat them, and it's like one way. There's, there's several methods, but, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it on here, like how to defeat them, but it's so simple, and it's got, like, nothing to do with the dog. Mm-hmm. It's, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it works, too. I, as we did exercises, you know, and, like, I mean, so I'm asking the cat, like, "Hey, mate, you know, are these dogs like they're they're good at like exercises?" He's like, "Oh no, mate, they're real dogs. They're gonna bite you." I'm like, fuck, <laughs> this is gonna suck. I better fucking be good at it. I'm not, you know, going over my notes. Okay, what the, you know? And yeah, they were like police dogs. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're gonna get you. <laughs> I mean, thank God. I mean, I did it right, but like, holy shit. That's one thing. It was a real world op. Like, uh, yeah, you know, I got an M sixteen with blanks. Yeah, you know, because there's really nothing in New Zealand that can hurt you. Mm. Like, there's no poisonous snakes. There's no New Zealand's freaking awesome. Oh man, it's freaking wonderful. The people are awesome. Yeah, that place is yeah. just awesome. That, like Maury's, you know, they're, yeah, they're, like there's so n- cool. That's one of the places I went. They to. They take you like, in like this. Like, okay, yeah. That's one of the places I went to. Where I was like. Uh, this is just awesome. Like I could live there. Oh, in a minute. In a minute, I could live yeah. there. That place is freaking amazing. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice before joining the teams, what would that be? Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think nothing. I I wouldn't do it any differently. I liked. I could say I would have did this, but I'm glad I did stuff like as a knucklehead and had some hard knocks. And no, I, no, no, I wouldn't have done anything differently. Because mm-hmm. the good, the bad stuff that I went through made, made me better are. on the good side, you know, that kind of shit. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's one of those questions, too. It's, you know, this is, there's, there's people that ask, there's, and I, there's people that ask these kind of questions. They're looking for, they're looking for like a one, like a one thing yeah, answer no. of like, you know, if you could tell yourself, here's another, if you, if you could go back and tell yourself, your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself? Like it's, or, oh yeah, yeah. Invest in, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, Apple. Apple or whatever, you know. Another yeah, one okay. is, uh. Uh, what's the one leadership lesson you like? There's always that kind of thing, or and they ask it about everything, man. They I ask bet, it, I people bet. ask it about everything. 
what's the one book you would what's and they they ask the same kind of question that they and there's never an answer yeah i mean it's like what i figured out early on is like mm, okay you know what book cool about face somebody asked me yeah, that that's somebody somebody asked me that in the live podcast and and like i talk about i've been talking about about face since i started talking to people Hackworth. in the public yeah oh he's awesome and so this guy at the live podcast in new york some guy says, if you could recommend one book, and I'm like, does anyone know the answer? Everyone's like, about face. And it was like, clearly the guy was not in the game <laughs> right, to be asking right. that question. Or you could easily say, like, remember, like, Cracked Magazine? Yeah. That was about the same. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's weird. I, I'm not trying to, you know, it's like people want to hear, they want the information to be so distilled down. But it's kind of like this. It's kinda you like, got to do the work. Yeah, it's kind of like being in jiu-jitsu and being like, well, what's the one move you should know in jiu-jitsu? It's like, mm, you know, there actually is not one move. So no. asking Tony what the one piece of advice, it's like, man, like where, what is that? Where do you start Stick to with your that? guns probably is good. Yeah. Don't, don't give up when you know. Don't, like, get away from your, like, I don't, and I want to say principles. I hate that word. But... You know, whatever you believe in, like the teams, like for me, it's always like, no, you know, we not, we, you know, you don't do this, you don't do that. Like, if I'm running a crew and everybody wants like more time off, and then you kind of give in, and no, mm-hmm. no, here's what we're fucking doing, that's it. If you stick to that, and you can't blow up, you know, disarm a bomb that already went off. Mm-hmm. So just stick to what you're doing. Unless it's so fucked up. Of course. But you know, I, I had this my uh my second platoon commander, the real squared away guy, but we di- we did a hydro at Camp Pendleton and like we went Red out Red Beach. It was a freaking nightmare, it was freezing, Terrible. the waves were huge. <laughs> we go out, we do it. Frogman it's, shit, and though. then we we get everything recovered. We come back. We sit there in the zodiac, typing up the freaking yeah. the message with the little codes in it for yeah. how the beaches. We come back. We get in. We draw them. You know, the cartographer guys draw, take all that information and draw the maps and blah 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 blah. And we and then the Marines launch. We freaking we land the Marines. Yeah, yeah. And then the Marines weren't happy with what they did. They weren't happy with the landing. So they go reload. So the next night they're like, "Okay, we, you guys gonna go do it? We're doing the whole thing again. We're doing everything again." Yeah. So hydro recon. So we go out, and all of us boys were like, "You know, we just did the hydro. You know, nothing's changed. Yeah, it? nothing changed." Mm-hmm. And that boss, that OIC, he goes, "That's not the point." He goes, "He goes." I remember it clear as day because I'll never forget him saying this because I use this quote about a million times yeah. with all my guys. He goes, you're right. He goes, hey, guys, you know, we don't have to do the hydro again. But would that be the right thing to do? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> and I was like, get your lead lines, boys. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. how, right? Your, your, you big, go, your biggest right critic thing. is the guy in the mirror. Yeah. That's the one you got to answer to, not anyone else. The guy in the mirror. Yeah. That, that like, I never forgot that. From then on, from the rest of my life, it's been like, what's the actual right thing to do right now? Yeah. What's the actual right thing to do? It's right usually now? the one that's so fucked up in the hottest way. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's gonna suck. Yeah, and it's, it's and like everything. Yeah. Well, and I could do this or I could do that. No, which one's hotter? Yeah. Well, then that's the one that I probably <laughs> should do. You know, and then nine times out of ten, you're gonna be right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Does this suck? This way is easy, but this way sucks. Okay, but that's the one I have to do. Yeah. Because then you, if not, you're just like, I, I should have did this, but I'm just all weak and stupid. And then you just get all mad and you end up doing that anyway. So you might as well just yeah. do it and get it over with. Um, as a sniper team leader prepping for deployment, in your opinion, what are the top five things I should dr- drilling my guys on s- to support combat operations? Limited range time, about one range every other month. I wouldn't be so concerned about range time. I'd be concerned about environmental shooting, like nighttime, low light, sundown, sun up. Um, communication between each other, not so much like sniper spotter, like everyone says. Put yourself in a in a three hundred sixty degree, you know, white side, black side, mm-hmm. whatever. And communicate. Okay, I got guys all around. How are we doing this? We got too much shit over here. Do we need to shift forces? Yeah, you don't need a range to do that. You don't need a range to do that. You don't even need to carry weapons to do that. Uh, You know, you obviously have to shoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, and then cross training all the other guys on the sniper weapon because sometimes you have to take a break and you got to give somebody else who's not a sniper. Doesn't mean you can't shoot a gun. I mean, it's easy, but do more cross training on mm-hmm. it. There's no reason that a non sniper in a SEAL platoon shouldn't have a thousand rounds through whatever weapon system we're using right now. There's no reason. Maybe a thousand's a little bit, but mm-hmm. at least a couple hundred. There's no reason. Mm-hmm. We're, that bu- we're that busy, you know, getting up and going to work and like running around and talking about uniform standards. And, like, we can't, I mean, come on. We got all this time. You have like no one shooting at you back here, so you should like, maximize that time. You know, and don't get me wrong. You need time off to drink beer and be frogmen, but job is a job. <laughs> what did you do to keep Jocko in check? <laughs> yeah, nothing. It's <laughs> terrible. He's terrible. Uh, I don't even know what that question. Is. I know, <laughs> but it's an important question to like someone who doesn't know you <laughs> uh i i don't know maybe not like destroy everyone in the morning jujitsu section <laughs> sessions so like when they had to actually do something i had to yell in their other ear because i had cauliflower ear yeah. getting fucking torqued <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I or, mean, or, or basically hey man this guy not in our chain of command who's like working in another department. He, he's limited. You don't know him, but I do. He's not. You, you kind of got to be not a frogman, but you kind of got to be a little gentle with this guy because he's good at what he does. Just don't go in there and scare him to death because he's just going to like fade into the, the shredder room and cry. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that, but. Very limited. Yeah. I don't know what you I, can do with this fucking guy. I don't know. I think people, um, and we talked about this last time. It wasn't like, I mean, first of all, you and I were like, if you and I looked at a target, we would come up with a salute. We'd both have a plan that was like almost the same thing. Be you know so why? Because 
if this paper is the target, like when I look at it, I look at it. There's nothing in my head but that. Look at it. So people go, oh yeah, 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 okay. No, you look at it. Like really, really look at it and envision what what this high ground here, what's on top of that high ground? Is mm -hmm. there trees? Is there, how can I, okay, I need to take this section of the, the map and I need to add the other five because we're coming from here. So I'll add boom, 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 and this, and then egress this way if this is my any point. So next thing you know, the map's the size of this fucking room. That's how you look at a target. You don't just look at it and go, oh yeah, well I'd go in here. What? Who says you gotta go in? There's 150 ways to do this mission, but you have to look at that target mm -hmm. and really, really look at it. And then envision it in 3D as you're walking up to mm -hmm. it. And that's, that, I don't know. I think that's what we do pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I just always remember like, I'd, you know, some mission, whether it was overseas or no matter what, yeah. I'd be like looking at it going, I think it'd probably be good to do it like this. And then you'd be like, why, why don't we do this? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> that's yeah, what. I mean, yeah, there may be like one little difference, but yeah. that's that's minute. Um, I think with BTF Tony, can you share some stories about team guys that influenced you in good and bad ways during the early days in the teams? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about that the whole time. I think one of the reasons I picked that question was because it said in good and bad ways. Uh, bad ways. I just think not being totally, totally 100% team guy. I've seen some guys who are in charge of me that, you know, they just seemed to, at the time a little more interested and, in, you know, just getting through what mm -hmm. we were doing and not really – you know, it's like, hey, Chief, two weeks ago when we were doing this, can I, I want to bounce my notes off yours. He's like, well, I don't have any notes. I'm like, hmm, all right. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Why don't you have any notes? Like, isn't this like the, the pinnacle of your fucking career? Because for me it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, I get it if there was no war going on. But still, isn't that? That's why I say some of these guys were champions. Like, I, I, I'm utmost respect, fucking awesome cats. Some of them, they kind of put us behind the power curve when the shit really hit the fan after 9-11 because they were just kind of going through the motions. And they didn't, like, before we got into the mobility world, they, they never, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll either get dropped off by a helo and hump in or, come in by boat like what about vehicles well we don't really do that what do you mean we don't do that how are you gonna get from point a to fucking b you know and then once we started doing it it was a bunch of ketchup mm -hmm. and it took fucking smart guys like tk there to really ramrod the mobility program yeah. and and do that kind of shit and like what do you guys think of this i mean yeah why didn't i think of it yeah. i mean i kind of did but i was a lonely or low guy trying to learn the ropes, you know, and I don't think they did us any favors. I didn't think about it. I didn't think about mobility. I, I wasn't didn't thinking to myself like, oh, cool, why don't but, we? Uh, but other guys that are that are frogmen or tier one cats were doing it. Yeah, what I, what I, 
like I was still trying to sort out like just yeah my how, web how to be a good team guy right but yeah looking at it seems like those days there was there was it seemed like you needed we needed as a community to look at like what could happen one one <laughs> right? big thing that I was looking at when I was a young team guy was I realized a long fucking time ago that there are no terrorists really. I mean, I'm wrong about some things in Afghanistan, but there are no real bad guys in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's going to be buildings. There's going to, oh, it's yeah, going to yeah. be, it's not going to be An urban isolated. combat and then out in the middle, land warfare in the middle of nowhere. It's going to be a, a mix. mix. Yeah. And as soon as we got rid of the sub guns and started yeah. carrying long guns for yeah. close quarter battle, that's, the, that's one of the starts. Yeah. Yep. And it was always it was always going to be a mix. Whether you're coming over the beach, yep. you're coming in, even going onto a ship. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. people were, some people want to stick with sub guns because you're going on a ship. And I love the sub guns. Oh yeah, for around. sure. They're awesome. For sure. <laughs> but at a hundred yard fantail exactly. shot, yeah, or a hundred and fifty, yeah, you got you could have some issues. Yeah, big issues. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> At what point in your career did you start to feel competent in operating, killing the enemy and making sure your brothers came home with you? Did you start to feel like you could do it every day and be successful? Uh, yeah, I always felt that way. Yeah, well, yeah. How many platoons did it take before you started feeling competent? Uh, like one. I mean, I always felt like I was good to go. Yeah. I could do this. I can fan I have fantasize about. I, I'll admit it. I, I couldn't wait to kill anybody. You know, I loved it. Cause that's your job, like. Yeah. And it was it was kind of a letdown, like it was uh, you know you think like in the movies and all. You train so much, it's like bang, all right, on to the next one. <laughs> but yeah, I felt it right away. It's not that that was never the issue. The issue's always been confident as a leader. Mm -hmm. That took a while. It wasn't immediate. It took it took me a while. How good were you as a as an LPO when you were an E five? I thought I was pretty good, but when you look back on it, no, I was okay because we didn't have a lot of. I I I was basically really good at the basics. Yeah, stuff. see, I always felt like once I got done with a job, I would want to go back and do it again, and I'd feel like I would do it so awesome. And you don't get to do that, right? You, know you what don't. I mean? You like, don't. I did a platoon commander. I was like, um. And I, you know, I did fine. Yeah. But like, as soon as I got done, I was like, I should have done this. I should have done that. As a TU commander, I got done. I was like, man, I should have done this. I should have done that. Yeah. I just want to do better. Well, absolutely. I mean, the LPO thing, when you're a peacetime LPO, and I don't know. I was always mixing it up. And everybody seemed to like me. I mean, they didn't bitch too much. A <laughs> couple guys did, but it was all good. You can't do everything. All the team guys under your friggin' belt. There's, there's gonna be guys go. Oh, he was a fucking asshole, and he he just fucking did this. Was stupid. Of course, there's gonna be that, you mm. know. But I think for the most part, I mean, I did all right. Tried to. I mean, I could have done better, like telling people how. Oh, you know, you you're doing good, and you know, it's all okay. No. I'm glad I was a dick, kind of. With yeah, but stuff. You, but when but you I, say that, not a dick, but a professional. No, but even, dick. even that, you say that like, and Leif pointed me this out to me the other day. 
And Key remembered it. And it's funny because I had just written about it. <laughs> what I wrote about was like, if a platoon at, at land warfare was doing good, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like, this is when I was in trade. I wouldn't say, hey, you guys kicked ass as a task unit. I wouldn't say, hey, you guys. I'd say, hey, Bill, yeah. you and your fire team did a good job holding down the black side of that target. And hey, Mike, when you grabbed that other guy and you flanked those dudes awesome. on the hill, that was awesome. Because, but I would never just say collectively oh, everyone no, no, did awesome no, no, because no, no, then no. what happens no. is they all fall apart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what kind of what you did too. You used to, if somebody, if somebody did something good, yeah. you would tell them they did good. Yeah. If, but you wouldn't be like, hey, everyone did great. No, of course not. Because <laughs> the chances of that That's happening. like faults. Like, oh, you know, everything we did was amazing. This is amazing. Everything's amazing. That's so fucking stupid. I hate that. Like, you did your job. Like, what do you want? A fucking medal? <laughs> yeah, here's your medal. Here's, here's an MRE. Uh, go over there and be stupid. You know? <laughs> go get your shit ready. We got another off. And besides, you know, it's not like I talk down everybody. These are my brothers. It's yeah. like, yeah, man, that was cool. That's about the best team guy compliment you can get. Yeah. Hey, that went all right. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's that. Yeah. On to the next thing. Yeah. Guys, like, yeah, I gotta go to the head. What? Whatever. <laughs> it's like no big deal. Last question: Do you still smile when you hear "Stand by to get some"? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like you know it's gonna happen. <laughs> and you know, and after a while, it's like, fuck yeah. Yeah, bring it. You know, it's like that cat there, uh, when, when uh, Ted Williams, Ted Williams, Teddy ball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was hitting 402, and he had a two game series, and they're like, man, you're hitting over 400. Just don't play. You know, you're the only guy who's ever hit over 400. He's like, fuck that. <laughs> and he went like three for five, and he went to like 406, 407. And he risked it all because, yeah, I'm, I'm playing. Yeah. And mind you, this is a guy who took time off to fly jets in Korea or, Viet- or uh, World War II and Korea. I mean, like, yeah. What, what are we going to do? Like, okay, we gotta, we're going home in a week. We're not going to do this up. Fuck you. We're not going to do this up. You know, then, you know, we go home. We, I mean, what if you'd have died right before you? So what? That's why I'm here. I mean, if that happens, it happens. Who gives a fuck? I mean, it's what it is, right? That is what it teams is. Teams and shit. That, that trumps everything. It's like teams and shit. Okay, I'm a team guy. That's it. All right, done. <laughs> yes, indeed. Good to see Teams you, brother. <laughs> Good to see you, brother. Right on, man. Good you place too, to wrap. Good uh, to see you, man. Always. Freaking awesome to have you back on. Yeah, I'm glad I could, man. And uh, hopefully I'll see you up in Maine if you can swing by. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'm sure a bunch of people are going to want to meet you up there. I already told one of my cats back home. He's like, oh, I'll fucking drive the Harley down there. I'm all set. <laughs> <laughs> Echo. Yes. Speaking of standing by to get some, mm-hmm. what do you got? How can we be uh, more prepared to get some, as they say? In many ways. <laughs> All right. Well, one way, as we always say, is jujitsu. Tony, 
yep. knows a little bit about that as well. Um, when you do jujitsu, we need gis, right? Unless you're doing no gi, but mm-hmm. we recommend gi and no gi. So when you get a gi, where do we get them? Origin. Origin. So this is so Tony's from New England, and you know Tony and I were talking yesterday. And man, if you grew up in New England, then you saw the economy get just annihilated. Yep. And whether it was the the factories that were shutting down, the textile factories that were shutting down, the clothing manufacturers, the shoe manufacturers, all these, the paper manufacturers paper back home, yeah, got shut down. And you know, it's one of those things that when I when I talk to companies and they say, well, you know, you were dealing with you were dealing with life and death. And we're not. And I say, yeah, but you're dealing with people's livelihoods. Yeah, and what as as a as a as a mom as a dad, your livelihood is how that's your life. That yeah. is your life. And so, if you grew up in New England, and and New England's not the only place because it's all over America. When your manufacturing right. got taken away and sent overseas, it's a nightmare. You go up to these towns, and there's no work. No. Not that people don't want to work. Believe me, they're New Englanders. They want to work. Yep. And, and I keep saying New Englanders because. But it's everywhere. But it's you, everywhere. You get it. yep. Americans want to work. And so, you know, with Origin, and when you come up and see the factory, you know, we got 45 or 50 folks now employed in Farmington, which is awesome. Maine. Yep, Farmington, Maine. And, you know, it's like. Are they employees? Yeah, yeah, they're employees because they're working there. But you know what they are? They're part of what we're doing. Yeah, they're and part they're, of something. They're, they're part of something. Yep. They're the ones that are actually making the the gear, making the jiu-jitsu gis, making the jeans. We started making jeans. I'll get you some jeans when we get up there. Yep. Boots. We're making boots. I'll get you some boots when we get up there. Perfect. Like, we got folks that have been out of work for 14 years. They're fucking stoked to and be getting after stoked it. Stoked to be back. They want nothing more than to come in and and get on those machines, make the boots, make the jeans. We, we just started printing. Te- like, we're doing everything. Yep. We're doing everything. So I'll bring you up there if you guys come. And, if, I, and if you can't make it up then, you can come up whenever you want. Yep. You got to open pass to go to the factory in Maine and, and check it out and see... You know, it's it's just a beautiful thing to go up there and see a, a town that's and this is just the starting point, man. Yeah, yeah. And people people can think I'm, you know, dreaming. I'm not. Like we're gonna build this thing. It yeah. is gonna be massive. We're gonna bring back manufacturing to America and there's no one's gonna stop us. That's well, what's gonna going. happen. Who's exactly. gonna stop us? No one. So if you need something like that, if you need a gi, if you need a rash guard, get it from originmain.com. If you need a pair of jeans, go on there and get them. Somebody said, these jeans are expensive. And I said, you know what I said? You're right. You're right. They are too expensive. Right now, they're, they're not at the price point we want to get them down to. But as we build more and grow more, we'll be able to get those expenses down. But we have to start somewhere. Yeah, We absolutely. can't obviously give them away. No, you gotta pay the people. You, yeah, we, got, we gotta pay the workers. So we're getting there. We will build this, and there's nothing's gonna stop us. Yeah, I don't think they're that expensive anyway. Well, well, they're cheaper. They're, they're more expensive than a pair of mass-produced uh, jeans yeah, from yeah. China. Yeah, in yeah. a sweatshop where they're playing where they're paying their employees right. literally 50 cents a day. Yeah, so yeah. yes, are jeans more expensive than that? They fucking yeah. last. They're so going to last whatever. forever. They're 100 bucks. Whatever. You buy two pairs it's 100 bucks. So anyways, 
that's the deal. And if you think that's, if you think a hundred bucks is too much, hey man, I get it. Um, save up. Save up. Get yourself <laughs> a pair of. No, really. Get yourself whatever. a pair of jeans made in China yep. that are, are made in a sweatshop where you know some the the corporate the cor- the corporation's going to make all the money and none of it's going to come back here to America. So, all right. Sorry, I'm getting a little crazy right no, now, no, but man. these. Respect. Buy my fucking jeans. Yeah. Well, if you don't buy jeans, there's other stuff too, True. which is also good Tons news. Tons of other stuff. So what? Supplements. So important supplements mm-hmm. to yep. keep you in the game. Joint warfare, krill oil, which I had an experience and didn't even know it when I went to Hawaii. You went off the. I went off. Didn't even realize it. You know the you kind went, you just no sort of you went off, and you, off the krill oil and joint warfare. Dude. And here's the weird thing: my elbow. I always That's I get an amateur tended, move. Bro, right there. It, it is. You're correct. Yeah, it was amateur. And I didn't even realize it until I got home. So I go, you know, and I was lifting. I was working out. Tendonitis? Yeah, elbow. I had it so bad, this one. Yeah. Bro, it, yeah. If you go on the joint warfare and krill oil, okay, if you don't have some, I'll give you some. It's good. It takes like, well, I guess it depends on who you are. It took mm-hmm. me like six days for it to like really start That's to That's only away. a couple of days more than a cortisone shot, though. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. It takes like two and a half days. You for will cortisone. feel it. Like you go and read the um, the reviews of Joint Warfare, and yeah. there's people that are saying, "Oh, I couldn't do, I couldn't, I couldn't lift my whatever, you know, yeah. I couldn't swing my hammer, whatever." I'm back in the game, yeah. mobility. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's completely it's legit. So I come back and I'm like, okay, let me get you know back into live. I was like, man, I wasn't lifting that hard in Hawaii, and not as often either. So mm-hmm. I'm like, why is my elbow kind of bugging me? I'm like, oh my gosh, totally hit me. I was like, dang, yet another <laughs> instance of me playing myself. But proof, you see what I'm saying? Yep. Anyway, so yeah, stay on that. Joint order and the krill oil. There is also discipline. Mm-hmm. Good deal, Dave's on the discipline uh, train big time. <laughs> I'm with him on that train. Oh, Pretty really? much every day. Pretty much daily. Yeah. Daily discipline. Yeah, yeah. Yep. In all things. And this is, this is yet one another one. Yes. Also, milk, if you want additional yep. protein. In the form of a dessert, by the way. One of the best desserts out there. No, I never would have thought what I'll do is make a dessert yep. that's that's got protein. I wouldn't think that because it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it's a possible, feasible thing. Yeah. But then it turns out to be, yes, it is one. That's, yep. That, that is <laughs> I know Jocko a long time, and one of his favorite sayings is not actually a saying. He's just, like, talking to you because you're next to him. Going, fucking starving right now. Like, <laughs> always starving like every like okay we you know we ate like an hour and a half ago he's like <laughs> fucking so hungry right now like really yeah well now he goes on all these crazy fasts <laughs> though, right intermittent <laughs> fasting yeah. and whatnot yeah well yeah get it. some milk yeah tastes milk good. good get some tea some jocko white tea and that'll and don't forget about the warrior kid milk yeah which For i think children. is the game changer yeah Hey, there's going to be guys from back home. A lot of guys watch podcasts, but can you just go over the, uh, the dot com again, whatever it is? Oh, origin. 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 Main. Dot com. Main as in the state. Right. M A I N E. Yep. 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 Origin Main. Dot com. So we get all this stuff. Also, Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko Store. Course, mm-hmm. you know, super creative with the names and whatnot. <laughs> Put a lot of thought into yeah, it. Yeah, man. It's good. Turned out good. Um, anyway, that's where you can get that's, shirts. Uh, who was it? It was, I think, Flynn Cochran. Sure. He was 
he was saying that the original Jocko product was because I used to give like a brief, the leadership brief to the to the guys right. that were starting, and he's like they, 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 they called that the Jocko brief. <laughs> and I didn't think about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's like the original. The original Jocko product. Jocko product. Yeah. Huh? And then, so I can't be just blamed on lack of creativity from my part. Well, yeah, yeah you can. I guess I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just full on, 100% actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also you got to ask the question, did Flynn come up with that after? No. Jocko podcast? No. It was, it was, uh, and then Mike Sorelli, same thing. Like, oh, this is yeah, the Jocko brief. You know what though? When you kind of think about it, what do you call it? Like phonetically or whatever. I don't know if that's the correct yeah. word, but like when you say Jocko, it's kind of matches. You know, like Jocko store, Jocko brief. It's yeah. not like it's like you know, you know. Yeah, the whole black reason guys speaking. You know what, that story that you just told about me being hungry. <laughs> the reason this whole thing started with Jocko is because when I was on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Yeah. I fasted that day, and he was like, "Well, you know, we've been talking for a long time. You know, maybe we should go get something to eat." And I went, "Jocko hungry." Did <laughs> you? <laughs> <laughs> like I was just joking, you know. Yeah, but, but then, but not really. But then, like a little while later, it was, "Oh, we're gonna have a podcast," and I was like, oh, "Okay, Jocko podcast." Yeah, almost yeah. like I'm a knucklehead, right? Or <laughs> almost or like yeah, yeah, I actually almost, am a knucklehead. Yeah. So what do you call it? Jocko podcast? That <laughs> yeah. was the original. But it the, sounds the good though, uh, unless sounds, unless it start unless it's like well, so if you're gonna name something like it, that starts with an O, that's when it wouldn't really work. Like if it was right, like a yeah. O Ocean, Jocko oh. Ocean, eh, oh, even that kind of sounds good, I guess. Now I need to take it. over an ocean somewhere. Well, you know, <laughs> hypothetically, you understand what I'm saying. Check. Unless Jocko, Jocko store. stores where you can get <laughs> shirts, discipline equals freedom. Boom, more rash guards on there too, by the way. Yep. Which are which are origin rash guards, yes, by the sir, way. They are. Made in America. Jocko mm -hmm. Taco. Jocko no, that wouldn't be good. No, no, that yeah. works. Ooh, you that think would so? be good. Jocko Taco? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, there, yeah. There's a place on uh, quiet called Paco's Tacos. So, Chom. You know, that would deal. be Jocko that would Taco. Be so I need to start a taco shop. Yes. Well. Why mm. not? Yeah. Might as well. Obviously. Jeez. We'll have to talk to George. Around here in San Diego. George Farfan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. Maybe I can't find one taco shop around here in <laughs> San know, Diego. Right? When, my kids, when my oldest daughter, who's <laughs> so at college good. now, my oh. oldest daughter comes home, then she'll like fly home, and she will stop at a taco shop. Oh yeah, in San on Diego, the way the best, home from the airport. Best Just carne like, asada mm. ever. I'm like, oh cool. It's looking forward to seeing you. You gonna be home in ten minutes? And he's like, no, no, no. I'll be home in a half an hour because I'm going to get a taco. Well, absolutely. Going to get a California burrito. Oh, I had like three of them in the last four days. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, so good. You just can't ch change that. <laughs> All so, right. yeah. so cool. So Jocko Ocean, Jocko Tacos, and Jocko Store, of course, like we were saying. Uh, shirts, rash guards, hoodies, hats, you know. All kinds of stuff you want to represent while you're on the path. Boom. Mm -hmm. Good place to do so. Also, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you're into it. Mm -hmm. If you're into subscribing. Super easy. But yeah, on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, you know. Don't forget about the Warrior Kid podcast Good for the children. Stories, not just questions, but stories from Uncle Jake about how Uncle Jake got his values in life. What made him say... I should be prepared. You don't want to know how? I tell the story. Uncle Jake goes on a little, on a little, there's, there's a little rowboat. And Uncle Jake and his buddy, when he's eight years old, go out on the rowboat. And while they're out in the rowboat, he says, ah, you know, we're not, we don't need life jackets because, you know, we're just going to nice go, we're out. just going to paddle around here. Yeah. So they're out in the rowboat 
and they're clowning around or whatever and let go of the oars for a second. They both slip out through the uh, through the oar locks and there's a wind blowing. So within five seconds, they're they're gone from the and they're in the middle of the lake. Yeah. And they have to drift all the way to the other side and then borrow some but you know, there was that moment where mm. things were bad. Yeah. So that's when Uncle Jake learned you need to always be prepared for things to go down. That's an actual story too, by the way. No, that really happened. That. Yeah. that really happened to me. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stories from Uncle Jake on the Warrior Kid podcast. <laughs> so get some of that. Also speaking of warrior kids, it's a warrior kid that I know. Mm-hmm. I've heard of myth. It's not a myth. Not it's a real. Myth. real. His name is Aiden <laughs> making warrior kids. So not warrior kids soap. Jocko soap. He's the warrior kid. That's that's, that's so now we that's got Jocko soap up. too. Jocko things soap. Things are getting out of here. And that sounds good too, Jocko soap. There's also trooper soap, by the way, which is like another what do you call flavor, uh-huh. if you will. Yeah. Soap's not flavors, no, right? Don't They're eat just it. Like clean with else. it. Use it to wash up, and it'll help you stay, stay clean. clean. Yes, very good. It smells like Irish. <laughs> it smells like war. Actually, it smells pretty good. To be honest, it smells, yeah. Hey, that would be awesome to make. It smells like war. That smelled like cordite or whatever. Oh like, yeah, gunpowder. So good. Yeah. Oh yeah, it smells like napalm. Victory in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Old Jocko White tea tastes like victory. Yeah, so, that's true. Good know. point. Well, I, yeah, you know, when you say it, it should smell like war, that kind sort of made me think of how you and Leif and actually all you guys would tell us how war smells S- like gunpowder S- and yeah. sewage. And, yeah, terrible. Yeah. That's, that's actually so, the terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. After <laughs> Can further. it smell like the range? The range smells mm. good. You know what doesn't <laughs> smell good? Diesel fumes in the back of a sea fox. No. Or, or when you're in a helo and refueling. Oh. Like in the air, in in flight refueling. I don't think I've ever done that. It's effing terrible. There's just diesel everywhere. And it's just like, uh, it's just like, uh, and I don't like ever get sick about that stuff. But I was like, um, I've gotten I've you get got, high. I got seasick two times. Once was in the back of a Sea Fox, fell asleep with the diesel C-Fox. fumes just in. And the next one was in the LCU. I was downstairs in a in a raging storm waterproofing the radios in the engine room just diesel and rocking all over the place i came up and started yakking and the and the bmc that was running the lcu was hanging his head over the side yakking so i was like all right i'm cleared hot technically is that getting seasick though if it's from the diesel fumes I don't know. Yeah, it was a mix. It was I, a I mix. never did it, so yeah, you got seasick. Yeah, see, there you it never go. happened to me. Right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, the 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 scent, aroma of uh, the trooper soap and the Jocko soap is pretty good. Ah, okay, and very functional, by the way. You were yes. still talking about that. So, so, yeah, man. Okay. It's very important. I mean, we could talk about the diesel fuel fumes, seasickness some more if you guys true, want. True. All right. I'll take the hit nicely. No, done. no. I'm d- Point hey, taken. Up to doing you, his bro. job. Up yeah. to you. Doing, doing a good job. Anyway. I'll take the hit. Also, we have a YouTube channel. BTF Tony into YouTube or what? Not really, but yeah, yeah, I would, I would be surprised if you were, but you can get addicted <laughs> to various videos. Nonetheless, we have a YouTube channel with good videos, video version of this podcast, excerpts, enhanced excerpts. Enhanced mm. means that Echo puts all these effects in them. Like a like, oh, I gotta watch that. Yeah. Then. I and music explosions, yep. <laughs> things show, are on fire. Yeah, I'll show you one after this. It's Absolutely, good. yeah, but yeah, YouTube channel, Jocko Podcast, boom. Also, psychological warfare. Psychological warfare, yeah. yeah. 
What is that, bro? It's an Because you always get mad at me explaining <laughs> it. You <laughs> even though I have the best explanation. Go to, here's here's a psychological. If you ask for an alarm clock, which is kind of where this started, if you're if you're asking for an alarm clock that has me telling you to get up, there's where you get it. Psychological Warfare, it's on iTunes, it's mm-hmm. on Google Play, it's on MP3. It actually started when Echo asked me a question about something, and I was like, here's the answer. And then he was like, I'm gonna record that. Mm-hmm. And then we just went from that. there. Yeah. That's cool. The question was, what was you know, the like, original question? The original question one, and it was with me, was with workouts. So like when I work out, or when I plan a workout, and I just really don't feel like it. And you know, that's a common thing. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, you just do it anyway. You don't be a BTF through yeah. it, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, man, I, I wish I was better at BTF Ing through it. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So I wish like, I was too lately. <laughs> I know, bro. See, it's a real thing. So I'm like, I want, you know, because I can imagine, you know, Jock will just be TF through it. So I'm like, but what do you like say? You know, like what what goes on in your mind? Do you just not think about it at all and you just sort of automatically do it? Yeah. Or do you say something? Or I don't know, like what what is it? You know, what's I the know. message? I, I like two weeks ago, I turned 51. And I'm like, yeah, actually made it past 50 <laughs> you gotta fucking be it's gotta do something right yeah yeah you know and especially when you think you're gonna not make it to 30 you know for sure oh mm. yeah i'm like mm, i don't know there you go it doesn't get any the old every day you get older it gets terrible <laughs> <laughs> you wake up and you're like oh what is this now <laughs> oh yeah like here like what's this not i realize you, you know how uh I've said one of the things I notice about getting older is, and I don't notice that much, and I don't admit that I oh, don't I, notice I, it I either. Know. So even if I was in a ton of pain, I wouldn't tell anyone. Yes. But one of the things that I have admitted is that my first couple rounds of jujitsu, I'm I'm I I use a couple rounds to warm up now. Yeah. Like even if especially yeah. wow. especially yeah. if I'm going with Dean and Andy. Yeah. So Andy didn't used to be in this. Bracket, he's in there now. So <laughs> and here's the other thing that I noticed. I I once my because I couldn't run when I hurt my knee, and so now that my knee's like getting better, I can run again. Not you know crazy, but what I noticed is same thing. If the first like the first half mile that I run, I just. I must look like a, a person yeah, yeah. that's just never run before. <laughs> and, then, and then the longer I run. What do you mean the first half? Like you run more than a half a mile? <laughs> no, you know, like what, what are then, you doing? When I'm coming home and I'm once I'm warmed up, I'm like, oh yeah, cool, cool. And that's one thing that sucks is when you were young, you just didn't have to do anything and you'd show nah, up yeah, to it. You didn't do anything for yeah. three months and then you show up at a team, they're like, Hey, we're doing a nine mile run today. You'd be like, Cool, just go out yeah, and do yeah, it and yeah. you're fine. Mm-hmm. Now you'd like mm, the first up, first half bit. mile. Yep. You got a flat tire, like what run the show? Chick boom, chick boom, chick boom, Yeah, like terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want a um, visual version of little things to keep you on the path, then go to flipsidecanvas.com. Dakota Meyer, he's got a company there again, made in America, made right in Austin, Texas, making. Cool artwork. I'm trying to think of a better word for that because I don't like saying artwork. You don't match. I know saying artwork. So you need it to tell is me artwork. Though. I know, but is there a better word? Uh, I don't know. 
No, no, I think it's artwork. Visual inspirational shit. I don't know. Inspirational might be worse. Yeah, inspirational. inspirational. I mean, as yeah, far as John yeah, was saying yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I dig it. It's inspirational stuff, factually. Not really you know, my thing. For lack cool. of a so better Cool, so flipsidecanvas.com, for whatever you want to call it, Flipside you hang it on your walls. Awesome. You hang, yeah, you know why he named it that? Because the last thing he said to uh, one of his one of his teammates in Afghanistan was, all right, man, well, I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah. And everyone on his team died, including that guy. Yeah. And so he's like, that's what this is. That's what the name that's of the company perfect. came from, man. So support Dakota and his company, FlipsideCanvas.com. He's making all kinds of good, cool graphics. Is Some that better? graphics on there. But that's not the end product. Mm-hmm. I'm going to think of something eventually. Maybe I'll make up a word for it, like mulk. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, could, I think I'm going to do that. All right, do we'll that. think about it. Watch this. Jocko canvas. Yeah. That doesn't matter. No. And the last, also on it. So on it.com slash Jocko. This is where you can get workout gear. There's some cool, do you have sand, do you do sandbags? Yes. Did you watch my uh, little clip I put out? My edit. <laughs> <laughs> the time lapse one? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I did. I didn't pay max attention. That? So you got sandbags on there. <laughs> That's yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Because I was on. Attention. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was in By the way, if anyone wanted that, that band that I clipped out there, it's called Life's Blood. It's an old school hardcore band from upstate New York. That's from an old seven inch that Elgin James sent me, because we, we, there was a great band, they're a great band. They're, the, the lead singer is now a cop somewhere in Atlanta or something. <laughs> but anyways, that's Life's Blood. I don't know where you can find it, but. That's the music that's on the that music video. That I edited in there. Yeah, hell yeah, the Jocko's editing now, by the way. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to take Echo's job from him. That's yeah. friggin' dangerous, yeah. isn't it, Well, Echo? maybe I'll take over Echelon Front, maybe do the briefings on that. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, maybe. There I will. Go. Check. So Anyway, <laughs> what I was trying to say about the sandbags is when I was getting stuff yeah. from on it, I saw the sandbags. I was like, I'm going to get this. I don't have a sandbag routine yet. So For those of you that off. were wondering what I was doing with the sandbag, I pick it up, throw it over my shoulder, turn around, pick it up, throw it over my shoulder. Do oh, it over yeah. and over again. How big is it? I don't or how heavy know. or whatever. I don't know. Just, I don't know. Uh, my son, when he came home from wrestling camp, and he was like, you know, kind of kind of walking around yeah, the house. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. He did two weeks of wrestling. The really good wrestling camp called J-Rob. 14-day intensive wrestling camp. Awesome camp. And they... They 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 put these guys through the ringer. It's wake up in the morning conditioning, breakfast, wrestling, lunch, wrestling, dinner, conditioning, and they do that for fourteen days straight. To graduate, you have to. The last thing you do is a twelve mile run. So like it's mm. and you're all beat down when you're doing that. So yeah, uh, when he came home from that, you know he was kind of bowing up a little oh, bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that had been perfect. Yeah, he was blowing up, and I said, oh, you want to do a little workout? Oh, cool. you want to? Handed yeah. him this sandbag, and I was like, yeah, do this, 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 and this. Mm. He didn't like that sandbag, too. Oh, bro. <laughs> Not yeah. yet. All right, well, I'm going to take another look at that because I think I am going to get the sandbag. Oh, you should definitely get one. Also, definitely yes, get one. kettlebells on there. That's where all my kettlebells are from. And, yeah, a lot of good stuff on there. Go there, onit.com slash Jocko. Hey, I wrote a bunch of books, Way of the Warrior Kid. Warrior Kid 2, Mark's Mission. Warrior Kid 3, Where There's a Will. Mikey and the Dragons. And Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy Leadership. These are a bunch of books I wrote. If you like what we're talking about here, if you're an adult, get the adult books. If you're a kid, get the kids' books. If you have kids, get them the kids' books. And 
you might want to check out the kids' books, even if you're an adult. Yes, I agree. So there you go. Echelon Front, that's our leadership consultancy. And what we do is solve problems through leadership. Go to echelonfront.com for details. It's what we do all day, every day. EF Online, this is leadership training, online, interactive, and put you on the spot, ask you questions. When you, when you become a leader, or when you're gonna become a leader, you're not gonna learn everything in one shot. And just like an arm lock, you don't learn it one time and now you're good. You have to practice. And that's what EFonline.com will allow you to do. We got the muster, next muster coming up, September 19th and 20th in Denver. And then December 4th and 5th in Sydney, Australia. ExtremeOwnership.com for details. If you wanna come, sign up right now because otherwise it's gonna sell out. They've all sold out. And of course we got EF Overwatch where we're taking proven spec ops leaders and combat aviation leaders and placing them into companies in the civilian sector that need one thing more than anything else to win, and that is they need leaders. And if you don't feel like we've talked for long enough and you wanna talk to us more, (laughs) you can find us on the interwebs. Tony is (laughs) at Frogman NH164. Do you think you know your password? Yeah, I got it somewhere. Yeah. People are gonna wanna like ask you questions Uh-oh. and then you can be like mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, ninety-nine percent of it's gonna be mm. <laughs> That's ninety-nine percent of my text back and forth with Tony is mm. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. You guys should see it. <laughs> if if I if you link up with me and we're talking and you're like, Jocko, what were you guys talking about? I'll be like, Yeah, yeah, check this, because I don't really erase anything with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Here's Jocko's text. Like seventy lines. My Jesus, Carney, dude. What are you? What are you on a crapper or something? How do you have all this time? I can do like three lines, and then he's like, yeah. And also, Echo and I are on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, and we're also on the Frugenbogen. She Frugenbogen. Echo is at Echo Charles. And I am at Doc Wonk. Echo, anything else? No, sir. Nothing else. Thanks, BTF. Tony. Tony, Echo, anything else, brother? Pleasure, Tony. my brother. No, man. Thank you for having me on. Uh, good to see you guys. Got a nice pad here now. It's it's good to go. Never been here. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I'd like to shout out to all my friends back home, you know, if I don't, anybody and uh, everybody I know. And I'm in San Diego right now, and uh, all my team guy buddies and my girlfriend, Becky, and Marf, you know Marf back home, and uh, all my chums back there. uh, Yeah, see you guys soon, and uh, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Guys are class act. Awesome, brother. Well, man. And teams and shit. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming back on again, obviously, and hopefully I'll see you. But 150 episodes? Yeah. It's been 150 episodes since you you were on episode 41, and we're now on 191. Wow. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we got to do it. Next time we do this, we got to have someone in here. Like, with me, someone else with me, because this is like one, you know, I, I'm running, I'm not that interesting. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember any shit half the time. And, no, what you should do is next time, we'll listen to this one and then go and write down notes of what you want to talk about next time. Yeah. And like, f- like five stories or whatever. Oh yeah, things but or like, whatever. If we could get on like someone we were talking about, like my first LPO and 
someone like oh, that. Oh, you want to get someone like that on? Yeah, with me. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. Just me. You yeah. Know, with you guys. But. Yeah. Yeah, no, man. Um, anybody, any of the old oh, awesome. fellows that want to come on. I'd, if I could have him come on, <laughs> that'd be sick. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask him. Yeah, ask him. And, uh, yeah, man, we'll do it again. And we'll see you in Maine. Yeah, we'll see you in Maine. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for, man, thanks for everything you did. Thank uh, you, brother. You know, holding that thread that I was talking about earlier, that thread through the years when there was no war going on, there's plenty of people that, you know, they did their job and they went on their deployments or whatever. You were freaking towing the line, man. You were towing the line and, and keeping that knowledge base, improving that knowledge base. That's what you did. To, so that when we got to war, we were ready. So thanks for doing that. Oh, my pleasure. For the teams. Thanks for everything you did for Bruiser, of course. And as far as I'm concerned, you're actually the model of the American fighting man. Oh. You're the motherfucker <laughs> that went up against the Japanese and the Nazis and said, you know what? We don't care what kind of warrior culture that you have. We got something else. We're Americans and we're about to fuck you up. That's right. <laughs> we got something that none of you other countries have. And I'm going to go, what? Like, Fucking John Wayne. <laughs> if you can produce anyone a quarter as good as that man, then I'll maybe listen to you. We have fucking John Wayne. Best guy ever in the history of ever. If you don't mind, you know, if you model yourself to him in everyday life, then you got nothing to worry about. Check. What would John Wayne do? He'd either go, yes, no, or punch you. Good option. And then he'd have a bunch of whiskey. And then, you know shoot a bunch of people and get on his horse and go have a steak <laughs> and smoke like 20, 200 cigarettes. Good plan. Yep. Good Big plan. plan. Hey, uh, awesome. Everyone else, all the other veterans out there that have served, thanks for what you've done, those that are serving right now. Yes, thanks sir. for what you continue to do to our police and law enforcement and firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, BP, Border Patrol, Correctional Officers, Secret Service, all the first responders out there, thank you for your service here at home. And to everyone else out there, you know, you're gonna make mistakes. You're not gonna be perfect. Things are gonna go wrong. And when things go wrong, it's pretty easy just to say, you know what, I'm gonna stand down or I'm gonna take a knee or I'm gonna give up. And you can do that. Or you can do what Tony would do, which is grab your gear and just grab a BTF knife and, just and figure BTF it out. until you get things back on track. Yeah. And that's what I recommend you do. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, this is BTF Tony and Echo and Jocko. Out.